is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Counting down to tomorrow's NHL trade deadline. Big show tomorrow will be on early around 11 a.m. Set your, uh, if you're on YouTube, first of all, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Turn your notifications on so you'll know when we are live tomorrow earlier than normal with an extended show with the latest happenings from around the National Hockey League and, of course, focusing on what, if anything, the Winnipeg Jets have up their sleeve before the gun sounds. Um, I joked yesterday with Reem finishing up the program on what was the over-under on number of trades that we would have before we got onto the air today at around two and a half. Uh, the over happened probably within an hour of us finishing up the show yesterday. So we've got lots to recap from off the ice, big night on the ice last night, and uh, some very interesting news surrounding the Winnipeg Jets just coming a few more minutes ago from Andy Strickland. So we'll get to all of that. Sarah Orleski is going to jump on the program. We'll get the latest from Jets HQ on the upcoming deadline as well as practice today. And Ken Weeb will join us as well a little later on. And quick uh, programming note from our friends Kenny and Rennie. They will be doing a pop-up show right after Winnipeg Sports Talk today. So make sure to hang around to the end of our program and uh, we'll send a little raid over to KNR as we've done often when they start up once we are finished. Uh, just before we get Remus in here, got to thank the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and uh, oh, we've got some, we've got quite a bit of content for a few why not questions of the day for Not Auto Corp over at Waverly and McGilvery. Michael Remus, get in here. We have a trade request to announce. Andy Strickland with a little bit of a uh, news related to the Winnipeg Jets dropping just before we went live today. Yeah, I just made a really nice graphic for it to Hustler. I tweeted it out on Instagram. My phone's already blowing up, but Andy Strickland of Bally Sports Midwest and the Cam and Strick podcast, he tweets out, hearing six foot seven Winnipeg D-man Logan Stanley has asked for a trade. The former first rounder is 24 years old. Still no guarantee the team moves him. And I think it was earlier this week. Elliot Friedman tweeting that he was surprised Stanley didn't get moved in the Niederreiter deal. And I mean, for Stanley, I mean, I kind of get why he would want to change a scenery. Um, seems like he's been passed on the depth chart by Dylan Sandberg. The Jets have five of their veteran D spots locked up. He wants a chance to play and uh, he feels like a change of scenery would be best him i don't know how everyone in chat feels or if you're watching this after write a comment but i think a lot of people are like well i think you gotta maybe you know you've had chances to grab that spot and you haven't and maybe feels you know this is the best way to get some playing time but um yeah that's that's the news today uh logan stanley or the report by andy strickland that logan stanley has requested a trade Oh, Andy's pretty dialed in. I'm not sure whether it's a connection to the agent or whatnot. Of course, this rec this report is coming from outside of the market, but that is often is the way things go down, especially in and around the trade deadline with so many 
people, somewhat insiders sniffing around on situations from around the league. Um, I, I mean, this, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, this isn't shocking by any stretch of the imagination. It somewhat would make sense. I mean, Logan Stanley has played 13 games this year. He's been out due to injuries on a couple of occasions, but Dylan Sandberg's passed him on the depth chart. I mean, that is, that is pretty much um, the way things have settled out this year. And, you know, I know he was in the lineup when they went 11 and seven in the last game. Um, but Stan has just not established himself as a reliable everyday NHL defenseman. That being said, he's six seven. He's big. There will be teams that will be interested in Logan Stanley as a depth defenseman. Now, um, he's still, you know, an RFA. So I think that there is an opportunity for a team that, you know, if they think that, you know, maybe he they can be the ones that turn this guy into the player that the Winnipeg Jets hoped he'd turn into when they drafted him 18th overall in the draft, um, there will be some interest. And I think if you're Kevin Day off right now, there's two ways to approach this. Um, one would be using Stanley as an asset to get a player coming back that maybe is more of a rental or someone that can help you right now. The other side of it, and this is, to be honest, if you know it was up to me to make the uh, decision to, to do this, if you're trading Logan Stanley... Um, I think you're maybe looking to try and recoup some of the draft capital that has already left the Winnipeg Jets over the last couple of years. Let's not forget that the Jets are already without their second round pick, their fourth round pick, and their sixth round pick in this draft right now. And that's why I think, you know, we'll get to the chicken deal and some of these other ones. I mean, with where the team is right now and knowing what's coming this summer and next year, I'm not sure this is a great time for the Winnipeg Jets to, you know, be so aggressive that they are risking their draft capital going forward. Now, there are some players within this organization. Stanley would be one of them. Philly Hanel is another one that just have not been able to crack the lineup that may have interest around. And maybe you, maybe you recoup some of those draft assets right now, uh, you know, for the, for the upcoming summer in the future with deals like that. Um, but when it comes down to simple player personnel, Logan Stanley's not one of the best six defensemen on the Winnipeg Jets right now. That's certainly the feeling, I think, of the coaching staff. I don't think there'd be much disagreement amongst most of the fans. Um, you know, he brings a unique package and one that, you know, is still in demand in the National Hockey League. And Reem, one of the things that I've been mentioning, you know, certainly around, for instance, the Tanner Janot deal, is that size, strength, toughness, is not as much of a priority in the regular season, but it is in the playoffs. And this might be actually the perfect time to move on Logan Stanley and get max value for a player that, you know, is somewhat of a diminished asset compared to where he was drafted and the role that I think this team hoped that he'd be in at this point of his career. Yeah, you talk about, I know Logan Stanley's got size and he's six foot seven. And we did joke, you know, teams love size and you think of this unlimited potential. And we talked in the summer about Maverick Lamaru, who was picked in the first round as well, who's also six foot seven. And you think six, you think every player who's that big is going to be a heavy hitter and be the next char. I don't know if that's exactly the case. The Jets, you know, looking back, they traded two picks for him. Uh, They traded the 22nd pick and the 36th overall pick in the 2016 draft for Logan Stanley and for him you know would be 24 years old and but seven years after being drafted you can't really crack lineup maybe it's time that they part ways and you see what you can get from him you know they're not going to get back a first round pick they may not even get back a second round pick but 
Uh, they need to free up some, you know, some roster spots there. And I know he's a big guy, and you say teams want, to, you know, size. I don't really think of him as a physical big player. I think they're trying to get that out of him. Not you know, physical enough. I mean, when he, gra- <laughs> I mean, when he grabs you, he's certainly intimidating. But, um, you know, he hasn't laid out, had any you know, highlight real body checks like uh, Jacob Truba has or anything like that. So I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. Maybe you get a similar pl- like a. We've said that they need to trade some of these defensemen for Ford. Maybe you can get a guy who can't really crack a lineup with another team. You know, for example, in Vancouver, uh, you know, Hoglander's fallen out of favor. I thought he's looked good at times with them. Maybe you make it some kind of trade like that. Um, I'm just throwing some name out there. I have no idea if that's on the table, but you know, maybe the Jets say, you know what, it hasn't worked out. Let's uh, we'll go in a different direction. Yeah. Um... You know, like this is not going to be massive when it comes to changing the fortunes of the Winnipeg Jets this season. I mean, I think that if the Jets were in a situation where Logan Stanley was playing significant minutes for the team, you probably are dealing with some major injury problems of guys that they would rather have out there ahead of him right now. But again, I do go back to it. I know that a lot of the fan base is down on him. And to be honest, I mean, the coaching staff, I think their decisions have pretty much spoken for themselves. Um, with how much time he's been in the press box when he's been healthy. That being said, um, you know, I keep going back to it. This time of year, maybe more than ever, might be the time to trade a player uh, with the makeup and skill set of Logan Stanley. So that's certainly something that we'll be following over the course of the next 24 hours and uh, during our extended sport, our extended program tomorrow uh, because there will be moves. I, I don't doubt that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are going to be doing something. Um, but I have a feeling it might be a little bit more like what they did last year, you know, adding, I mean, last year it was Zach Sanford for a fifth round pick, you know, a couple of depth players right now that's still available. What's funny, Rio, was those might be some of the bigger trades tomorrow because when you look at the list of how many trades have been consummated over the course of the past week, um, the entire trade bait board has pretty much turned over a couple times right now with all of the activity. And that activity continued right after we finished the program yesterday with a few more significant deals. Yeah. I see a lot of people saying, you know, already giving uh, the jets an F for their trade deadline. I think you should wait until it's actually done for judgment. Does it look, you know, not great now where you see all these other teams making deals. And I think they did very well on the one deal, but we know the Jets need a couple of pieces here. And, yeah, so I was thinking about this all last night at the end of the show yesterday, you know, like 2.50 p.m. You were like, yeah, how many deals today are we going to see? Are we going to see, you know, two and over under two and a half tonight? I was like, tonight? We might see two and a half by the time I post the podcast. And I posted the podcast, you know, let's say 3.20, 3.30. Well, like immediately after that, 3.43 yesterday, Carolina got Shane Gossespierre from Arizona for a 2025 third round pick. Um, you know, nice deal for Carolina. And then 347, this one I was really shocked at. Vancouver getting Phil Ronick and a 2023 fourth round pick from Detroit for a conditional, uh, what, first and, sorry, 2023 first and 2023 second. Uh, and sorry, my notes are, and then later on, I had to double check that this was the verified Senators account because I could not believe the return. And I saw a lot of Jets fans 
you know, really mad online that the Jets missed out on this player. Uh, Jacob Chikrin from Arizona to Ottawa for three picks, a first and two seconds. Um, I'm not sure where you land on all these trades, but you know, within three hours of the show ending, we had three deals, and it's continued into today. Uh, this has been just an incredible week, a week for deals, and I'm sure we'll see some tomorrow. But it might be like, you know, some depth player for a sixth round pick. So uh, we'll be on, we'll be reacting to everything. But this has been, I got to say, it's been a lot of fun. There, there were more deals in the evening, which we got to get to as well. Yeah, I mean, there's another big one today, uh, this morning, a massive extension for uh, David Pasternak in Boston as they continue to load up for a run at the Stanley Cup. Um, but back to those trades from yesterday afternoon, first off. Um, Carolina, I think, kind of following their plan. Um, you know, they've got some draft capital. They've got cap space. They're using it in maybe a bit more of a conservative way than certainly some of their counterparts in the East have. Um, but the cost to spare addition is nice, should help on the power play, and obviously the cost isn't too big. The, the, the Vancouver trade was wild because... You know, you you make the trades that they already had made. They get the first-round pick in a very, very deep draft in the Bo Horvat trade. And I think it's sort of, listen, it indicated to me that Vancouver was accepting their fate where they are right now and moving forward, trying to rebuild with some talented drafted players this summer. They went from three picks in the top 40 to one pick in the top 70 with that deal yesterday. Um, that, that is significant draft capital that they put out in the uh, in the in the trade. No, Hronik's a, a nice player. Young, right-handed defenseman, 25 years old. I don't doubt that, you know, a lot of teams would have um, liked to have him in. Um, but again, the team that did acquire him, that was a bit of a head scratcher. And if you paid any attention to uh, Sakaris or Don Taylor or any of the tweets out of uh, Vancouver yesterday, for a very disgruntled fan base, um, the reaction to the trade was not good because most of the fans, certainly management's not there, but the fans are into next year territory and rebuilding with good young players. And it seemed like they were on that path. And obviously that path took a bit of a turn yesterday. Although young right-handed defensemen that can play, that can put up some points are in demand and there's a cost to doing business. And uh, it was just maybe surprising that it was the Vancouver Canucks that did it. But the Chikrin trade was the one that I think got a lot of people talking here in Winnipeg and around the league. A conditional first-round pick this year, the conditions on that is that it's top five protected. If, you know, the Sens have a rough run and end up picking in the top five, it becomes an unprotected 2024 pick, um, a conditional second in 2023, and a 2026 second-round pick. Two things about this trade that we've learned from a multitude of reporting from around the league. There was a number of teams that were in on Chikrin, a number of teams that were offering better return than the Coyotes got from the Ottawa Senators. Two things happened. One, a number of teams didn't want to wait, moved on, used their picks and whatever they had to trade on other players. And the other thing was that I think they did prioritize the highest first-round pick they could get. And, you know, Ottawa's sort of in another tier than many of those other players, and the pick should be that much better. That being said, we'd heard that there were a multitude of teams that had more than one first-round pick in their package, but it does seem like Ottawa prior, or the uh, Coyotes prioritized the best first-round pick they could get this year. 
and took two seconds on the other side. The other part of it was that the Coyotes did not want to assume any of the money. And I, I was just talking about this on the lock shop with Dusty Ream. I mean, the Coyotes already were this, but I mean, with what we're seeing transpire over the last week, I mean, if it was ever in question who the most embarrassing outfit in all of North American professional sports is, it is the the Coyotes, who are essentially a farm team and a a cap space holder for the rest of the rest of the NHL. And um, I mean, it's embarrassing for the league. It's certainly very embarrassing for that franchise. They went and picked up Jacob Bavoracek today um, for a bit piece. Why? Because they're hoping that he won't be able to play next year and they'll be able to put another $7.8 million on LTIR and get to the cap floor. So the return didn't seem like it was what people expected for Jacob Chikrin. The Senators made a move. They get that player utilizing their first-round pick and two second-rounders. And, of course, they had the cap space to take on the player as well. Uh, But I did see a lot of Winnipeg Jet fans somewhat disgruntled that the Jets couldn't put forth a better offer than Ottawa To me, I think the key was of where the Jets will be picking in this draft. And, you know, a little why not question of the day for the people in the chat. I'm interested in their thoughts on this deal because and I've kind of been saying this all week long. Where the Jets are right now as an organization, the way the team is looking right now, heading down the stretch. I'm not sure that I would want to be trading one or multiple first round picks for a player that you'd have under team control for two more years from right now. Yeah, I've been saying here for a while that I don't really like I saw that Ottawa got him and I was really surprised at the return, you know, a first and two second round picks. And I agree that what Arizona is doing is pretty embarrassing, grabbing all these guys on LTIR to get to the cap floor. However, they have a ton of draft picks like the next three years. But the way they're going about this and then while the NHL says you know, to other teams, they're looking at how they're using LTIR to get, you know, around the salary cap, but it seems to be okay for the Coyotes to use LTIR to get to the cap floor. That seems to be okay with the NHL. And again, I think it is it is really embarrassing. And I think it's crazy NHL would punish teams who are trying to win and reward the Coyotes and not investigate the Coyotes who are, you know, clearly tanking, although Gary Bettman says there's no taking. But back to the trade. I thought, yeah, I was very surprised that it was three picks, but I really didn't, you know, if the Jet, if the Coyotes won, we're looking for a higher pick. The Coyotes or the Sanders checked that box and the Coyotes weren't looking to take on any salary. So if you're the Jets and you're looking to add a defenseman, you need someone else to go take one of your defensemen. You can't be paying six defensemen in a salary cap league, $5 million each or whatever the average is going to be. You have Morrissey at six, you know, just over six. Schmidt at six million. Peon close to six. Dylan's four. Demello's three. You where you're going to add another four million? If Coyotes weren't going to take on any salary, um, I just don't think it makes sense to spend all your money. You have Sandberg on a on an ELC right now. He's an RFA after this year, but I don't think his salary is going to go up much. It's very valuable to be paying guys who can contribute. And look, the Jets have all these defenseman contracts that are expensive that I don't think they can trade. Otherwise they probably would have traded one in the summer when we said all summer hustler that they need to trade a veteran D for forward depth. <laughs> it and now was they so have funny. You mentioned yeah. that earlier on when we were talking about it. I'm like, uh, is this February of 2023 or is this 
August of 2022. I mean, it's the same well, thing we've been talking about all year. And it's kind of like we're, we're kind of in the territory where the Jets are right now, who we were talking about they would be all summer. They got up to this really hard, hot start. We're in first place, you know, raised all our expectations. But where do we say they were going to be, you know, preseason? Fighting for a wild card spot. Where are they right now? Fighting for a wild card spot. And you look at, but thankfully, you know, there's not there's not too many teams they're fighting with. Basically, Calgary, you know, Nashville, St. Louis, they've all tapped out. So I know people were upset about Jets not getting Chikrin, and I agree, you know, the the price was really low, but they don't have second round picks this year, next year. They traded one for Niederreiter, they traded one for Dylan. I don't think they were gonna trade two firsts. Um, and again, they don't have the salary room. And I know that there are, you know, $9 million out of the cap, but wouldn't you rather use that cap space to get a forward, which you need because Dubois is out and you're playing Adam Lowry, who hasn't scored in 30 games at second line center right now. So I don't think, I don't think that's an area. I think that was more of a want than a need uh, for the Jets. And that's where I'm at on, uh, on Chikrin. Yeah, I know JB Brown was giving me heat in the uh, in the chat saying, you know, uh, what are you talking about draft picks? The time is now. Well, the time is now for what? Is it to mortgage all your future to try to make this season a little bit better or is the writing already on the wall that we're going to see some significant change in this core, in this roster, which many would say is overdue dating back to last summer. Um and if that is the case, then I mean, I think you give the best shot you have with the team that you have, and you you know maybe add to the uh, periphery of the of the team. But I think where this team is going in the off season, uh, listen, I I think this draft is too good. I said a couple months ago, like I wouldn't be trading in the situation that the Winnipeg Jets are. I wouldn't be trading their first round pick for some short term help. Um, listen, I think the team can play much better, and I think that. You know, if things go very well for the club, they'll be a playoff team and could win a round if things go well. But I, I just have to say, like, I mean, the the division, how weak it's been this year and where the West is compared to the East right now, how realistic is it that we're going to get this magical playoff run, even if you add, you know, a key player or two? And then what's the opportunity cost for doing that? And um, listen, I know other people will think very differently, think this is the best opportunity. The West is so wide open. How wide open is it really? We saw what the Colorado Avalanche are and what they're turning into as we get closer to the playoffs. This team just won the cup last year. I think they're still the clear favorite to make it out of the Central Division. Um, and man, that Edmonton Oilers team that we're going to see back-to-back on Friday and Saturday night, what a terrible bit of scheduling for the Jets to get them now as opposed to maybe earlier in the year. They looked like world beaters last night, thrashing the Toronto Maple Leafs in their game. Um, they've got the acquisition of Eckholm. They still may do a little bit more. Um, there is a, a lot going on right now in and around this West. And uh, as I say, the cost to to go all in, if you will, um, to me, I think sets the franchise back so much. So I, I'm I'm on board with not trading that first round pick. Would I like to see the team improve for sure? 
Um, but I think, Reem, you know, one of the ways we might see this happen, shake out, and maybe this Logan Stanley bit of news today kind of forces the team's hand, is maybe you utilize some of the prospects that they've had that haven't entirely panned out the way they like to. Um, maybe to get some help right now, maybe a player that can come out. And let's not forget, I really like the Nito Niederreiter ad. I mean, if you would have told me that the Jets would have been getting Niederreiter at some point before the deadline with a year left on his contract for only a second-round pick... Definitely in on that. I think it's one of the most best value trades that have been made so far. Um, it's just that there's a lot to do, and there's so many things that need to happen to have that miracle run. What does it cost you long-term? And I think the long-term is something this team has to be thinking about right now because as much as I and so many of you have dreamt about a cup parade downtown Winnipeg, does anyone really think that this is the year? Yeah, well, I think in the first 30 games, you thought this was the year. They seemed to catch lightning in a bottle. Everyone was having a career year. You were getting scoring, a lot of scoring from the bottom six. And they've kind of just gone back to where they've been in the past, which is, you know, a bubble playoff team. And do you want to go and start giving up a lot of stuff? I think they should. You know, if you can get guys for cheap, you know, wait to Friday where, you know, maybe you trade like a sixth pick, fifth, seventh, and, you know, get guys who can help you uh, at forward. But I, I do think you're probably looking towards next summer trading Dubois. You know, what are you going to do with Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck? Um, it's kind of crazy. I mean, we thought this was going to be the last, you know, the last dance. But if you're not going to go, you know, add a lot of guys. Um, well, yeah, you're I don't, right. It's, so like many a, people talk. This... I'm just going to say so many people talk about this window being a two-year window. It's not a two-year window. This is the year. This is the year. And I think, listen, if this team was comfortably in first place, I think it's way easier to make this argument that, you know, you have to be uber aggressive. But, um, I mean, they're not. They're trending um, very poorly right now, especially compared to the other teams around them. And I just think, you know, the risk in making really, really aggressive moves with a team that, you know, to just try to steady things out and get into the playoffs and then see what happens. I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but uh, I think that, that the time for that has, has probably gone. I think we'll see some smaller moves, you know, to hopefully help out in the short term. But when we get to this summer, this is why I say about the two-year plan to the, to the two-year window to the one-year window, like the Winnipeg Jets cannot go through the next two years and just go to next summer and lose potentially your entire core as free agents. I mean, I really do think that. I think all of that needs to be clarified for the most part this summer, whether you're re-signing guys to extensions or whether you're trading them right now. And all of that needs to be kept uh, in the on the front burner as opposed to the back burner when speaking about where we're at this season. Now, Ken will have his takes on that, I'm sure, when he joins us a little bit later on. But you see what I mean, Reem? I mean, I, as I said, maybe, maybe I'm being too reactionary to the last two weeks, month of the season, but this has been a significant period of time where the Jets haven't been trending well, and that hasn't given me the confidence that thinks it's in the best, in, uh, best interest of the organization this year and beyond to go crazy with sending out young players, draft picks, especially first-round draft picks, because um, I hate to say it, and this might be news to some of you, but, I mean, they might be getting back into a bit more of a draft and develop mode um, based on what happens over the course of the next few months 
um, with where the team is right now this season, but more importantly, in the summer and beyond. Yeah, I'll say one player I thought would be traded. Um, are you going to do some is Billy Hanel, a former first round pick. He's having a great season with the Moose since going back to them. But where is he going to play on this roster? You have Morrissey under contract, Schmidt under contract for three years, Pionk, Dylan, uh, DeMello's got, you know, they got another year. Um, like, I don't see a spot for him on this roster next year. They need help at forward. I don't think there's another, you know, forward you could do some kind of swap, uh, swap for and, you know, help out. So I, I don't yeah. know. I, th- I was kind of, I'm, I don't know what they're holding on to him for us. He said he wanted, you know, wanted to change the scenery or the opportunity. I don't see the, you know, that being here. They've needed to trade out one of these veteran D for a while and haven't. And, and here we are. So, and, you know, just on some reports, like Frank was reporting the Jets in on Provorov and, uh, and Sanheim as well. David Pagnotta said, I mean, I, how are they adding a veteran D? Who are they, who's going to take on one of these contracts? I guess if you convince Philly to take on, you know, Pionk or someone, uh, that would, you know, that would work. But, you know, the Jets D, I think you go back now a couple of years. I keep thinking about, you know, Summer of Chevy when they got Schmidt and Dylan, and you wonder if he just, you know, went a bit too hard, adding so much salary to the D and, you know, roadblocking a couple of prospects. And you let Kovacevic go. You don't think he could have been a uh, third pair D with, uh, with Sandberg there, or you would have evened them out? And it makes you wonder if, you know, we were kind of praising that at the ra- at the time, but looking back, I, Absolutely. I think it kind of hamstrung them a little. Oh, well, it did. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, when you add $10 million to your cap without having anything leave, um, you know, it significantly changes where you are. The, the Certainly the thought was at the time, and I, like pretty much everyone, applauded those moves because what was the story with the Jets? Oh, lots of talent up front, but they just don't have the defense core, and they need to get some veterans in there that can give them the punch, and they did that. But it has come with a cost. It's come with an opportunity cost for younger players to get their chance. Um, it's come with an opportunity cost of losing a player like Kovacevic to waivers where you when you didn't have a spot for him. Um, and now with the news that might be music to some fans' ears that, you know, a guy like Logan Stanley, who can't get in the lineup regularly, is asking for uh, asking for a trade. Um, but I do wonder, and I brought this up kind of last week, I mean, uh, you know, if the team had been playing better and had better results over the last two weeks, are we in a very different situation? But to me, it's been a bit of an eye-opener. As optimistic as I am and as fun as it's been watching this team um, kind of move past an incredibly disappointing year, um, you know, it, it is somewhat reminiscent of how we've seen this team play in the past under this core. And, um, you know, I suggested earlier this week that, you know, if there's a deal to be made, maybe it's a much, much bigger one that actually does affect the core and into the future and is less about the present. And um, I'll put this out to the chat right now. Here's our uh, here's our why not question of the day. As things presently stand in the Central Division, in the Western Conference with the Jets in a playoff spot but struggling mightily over the past month or so, would you would you be comfortable with them trading young players, first-round picks for help right now? And not necessarily rentals, but, you know, players that basically their window is the next couple of seasons. For instance, Jacob Chikrin, two years coming in. You know, you'd have this playoffs, then you'd have two more years um, to potentially re-sign him or move on. Um 
I don't know, Rio, knowing how difficult it has been, and it seems like it's going to be to re-sign some of the players that the Jets have right now on ne- on the next uh, the next run. Um, I-, I am in the camp that it is more. It makes more sense for the team to be prudent and not go crazy. Um, but that certainly is not shared by a lot of the fan bases you've seen with uh, a lot of pretty angry fans over the last little bit on uh, social media wondering what is going on and why haven't the Jets been as aggressive or busy as so many other teams in the league. Yeah, well, I think just the way that they've played the last, you know, the last two months, you know, is definitely a step back from where they were when they were playing great in first place. They're like, yeah, all in. This is a this is a cup team and. You know, they can win a couple rounds, and now you're kind of not so sure. Again, I said they're kind of where they were in the past, and I would like to see them upgrade the bottom six. And, you know, Nick Schmaltz is a guy who's out there with term, you know, speculation that Coyotes are looking to trade him away now that uh, now that they got <laughs> Voracek. Down. They don't need Nick, Nick Schmaltz, and maybe they would give up something for him because he's a guy who got term out. You know, I think the Jets would look that way rather than going for a pure rental, but I mean, just the well, way the Rock... You know what's they... interesting with a guy like Schmaltz is that he, of course, is a center. He's got three more years on his deal at just south of $6 million a season. Um, they're going to need a center because, I mean, and again, I, I don't want to believe this, but I've sort of had to have come to grips with the fact that um, it looks like Pierre-Luc Dubois is not long for Winnipeg. And when you trade Dubois, presumably, I think you got to do it this offseason. I mean, waiting till the deadline next year, I guess, is a possibility. And, and I guess there's probably an argument to be made, considering the prices that we've seen at the deadline this year, that maybe the value for a player like that would be highest at that point. But again, if you do add a couple pieces and you're having a good season, much like this year, it's tough to make big moves to, you know, kind of weaken your team at the deadline, even if it's in the big picture. And like, I don't envy Kevin Shovel day off. He's in one of the most difficult situations to start because of no trades and all that. But the team, I think set the bar high enough earlier on in the year that it got everybody thinking about this season. And I'm not sure we're getting the regression to the mean that people kind of expected at the beginning of the year. And if that's the case, to me, it's not the time to go nuts with those picks and, and, and players. And if anything, if you are worse this season, you're probably thinking about what a Dubois would get on the market at a time like right now where you could guarantee a team two playoff runs with a horse like Dubois and what that might bring back to the club. I mean, I think we can see based on prices paid for players in some of these other deals, that would be high. And um, hopefully if the trade does come at some point in the summer, they'll be able to get close to the value that they might've been able to get around right now, because obviously that's not the plans he's hurt right now. And they still do need him to help them play and win hockey games to make the playoffs and hopefully compete when things get going in the tournament. Yeah. One thing, you know, I know where we got Sarah coming up soon, Huss. Uh, there's some comments in chat. I mean, they, they said to us, you've been telling this is this is the year for months. What happened? We kept saying the Jets should go all in, go all in. Well, I think what happened was, I mean, teams been kind of, they took a step back here. You see other teams like Ottawa were stepping their play up, stepping their play up. You know, they had a rough first month, and they've really been on a heater since. Um, the Jets had the hot uh, first, you know, two months, two and a half. And they've kind of fallen back and makes you reevaluate where you think this team is. You keep thinking they're going to pick it up, pick it up, and you just feel like you're in deja vu. 
uh, from the last couple of years. And while I do think the Jets, you know, should probably add because, yeah, they're still in a playoff spot. They can still, you know, get in and, you know, never know what can happen. But, um, you know, how much are you really willing to give up? There's a, teams are throwing around draft picks like it's nothing. Uh, certain maybe they'd be better off, you know, holding on to some, although you know, I think there maybe there are moves to be made. So we'll see tomorrow. You know, someone said to me before the Jet, you know, before I, I guess it was last week, and what do I think? Well, I said I don't think they'll do anything major, but, you know, maybe trade some late picks. For some depth pieces, you can at least get some, you know, above replacement level from your bottom six, which haven't really done much offensively until uh, Stanny scored two last game. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, that's the number one spot that they'll be looking to uh, to add in. I mean, I think Niederreiter, I mean, let's not forget Niederreiter is a member of the Winnipeg Jets right now and made his debut on Tuesday. I mean, that's the guy that can play top six minutes. Um, and I think the cost is a lot more reasonable to pick up players that can help you you know, in your bottom six. And, I mean, the Jets absolutely need help in their bottom six. It was nice to see Stanny step up with a couple of goals, but other than that, it's been a black hole. Adam Lowry's drought is well documented, uh, but he's far from the only one. And a different mix and some ads of those players, uh, I think, is probably the most likely route for Kevin Chevalier to go. And the good thing about that is that that doesn't come at the expense of your first round pick or, you know, the limited draft capital that you still have in uh, a very, very deep draft. But one other thing that I should mention, because we are talking about, you know, in the big, the big picture, um, the big picture could also you include some moves before the draft next year. And, you know, obviously this is not entirely unrelated to right now, um, but you at least have those players to help with you through uh, through the playoffs. So um, Ken was at practice today. He's going to join us on that. Keep your comments coming in the chat. Uh, we enjoy all the differing opinions right now. We're getting on everything happening with the league. Um, all right. couple things uh, as before we bring on Sarah. Check the chat right now, folks. The uh, tickets are available for Winnipeg Sports Talk Trivia Night at Little Brown Jug. It is going to be on Wednesday March 29th. So uh, four weeks from now, limited seating. There is the chat right there. We'll also have it up on our site and our social media. If you haven't been uh, to, well, we did one before. It was great. Saw so many of you. Be another great get together. So uh, book your spots, grab those tickets at the Eventbrite link, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. Um, Got to give a shout out to our friends. Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery. If you're needing need of a battery for your car, your truck, or even that summer toy you're working on this winter, Manitoba Battery is the most convenient and well-priced option in the city. Put in an order for battery at lunch or around the start of Winnipeg Sports Talk, and it'll be sitting on your doorstep in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. Uh, They're basically the Amazon of batteries here in Winnipeg and you're shopping local. No more fighting for a parking spot at Costco waiting in line at Canadian Tire and no more spending more money on a battery at the big box stores. Let Manitoba Battery bring the battery to you while you worry about more important things. Give them a phone call. They are at 1026 Logan Avenue if you do want to pop in, but you can also order online for same-day delivery at manitobabattery.com. Um, the guys at uh, Consolidated Supply are ready for the upcoming spring. I know the golf business is already 
getting ready to have the snow melt and get out there. They're a leader in irrigation services and artificial turf and are the club car dealer here in Manitoba. So if you have any needs there, they'll certainly help you out. What you probably didn't know, they're also the first choice for small engine parts here in Manitoba for whatever you're working on and have an amazing array of other landscaping options. Maybe some things to help with that backyard. How about a spa or a hot tub? Amazing options there. And they also have incredible outdoor kitchen options. The best way to do it is pop down and see Joe Spicy and the gang at 1395 Niaqua Road East or check them out online at cte.ca. Don't forget... Nominations are still open for February's Unsung Hero with our friends at Wallace & Wallace. Um, Josh Morrissey, Winnipeg Jets All-Star defenseman, jumping on with the program. And uh, Josh, we'll have the Unsung Hero win an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey. But we need to hear from you. Tell us about that person in your community, spending countless hours volunteering, charity work, working in with minor sports. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We'll reward the unsung hero with that jersey at the end of the month. And uh, Wallace and Wallace will make a $500 donation to the Dream Factory in the name of the WST listener who nominated the unsung hero. And Josh and Margot Morrissey will match that as well. And just before we bring in Sarah, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too, shop at any of the seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. Uh, spring's just around the corner and get ready for it with ultimate, ultimate Male Energy formulated specifically for men over 35. Ultimate Male Energy is designed to help improve testosterone production, reduce excess body fat, build muscle tissue, maintain prostate health and more. It's on sale today at Vita Health along with some great non-alcoholic options if you're doing a little St. Paddy's Day celebration. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, let's get down to Jets HQ and welcome in Sarah Orleski as we count down to the trade deadline. Sarah, great to have you back on the program. How are you? Well, thanks so much for having me on, Haas. Always enjoyed, although not at Jets HQ at the moment, but I'm at my HQ. <laughs> yes, cranking out new episodes of Runway. By the way, that content has been so great this year. I mean, I oh, think fans good. have really enjoyed, I mean, improvements on a lot. Obviously, we joked that one of the biggest free agent signings was you going over to the club. <laughs> but, I mean, the entire social media team's done a great job. It's, uh, um, but it has been fun. But now, of course, it's all about the on-ice product and it's all about the team. And uh, pretty interesting scenario. You covered this league for a long time. Interested in your perspective on what we've seen over the course of the last seven to ten days. I'm not sure James Duthie and the guys are going to have anything to talk about tomorrow because everyone's already been dealt. Well, isn't that the truth? And unfortunately, I mean... Well, I guess you could say fortunately or unfortunately that, you know, they'll spend time breaking down the trades and looking at it, but at least they'll ha- they'll know that some of those players will have already played with their new team. So I'm sure there will be assessments as to whether or not the initial returns are worth it. Cause you know how we all like to uh, prognosticate on, on everything with it's, you know, uh, 17 minutes on of ice time and like success, failure, bust. Should they have made the trade? 
So, but it's certainly, it's, um, it will be a long day for those guys. But if anyone can be at the helm and succeed with something like that, we all know that it's James Duffy. It's he certainly, he is the man of the hour for something like that. You know, as far as the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, in today's day and age, we all have pretty short attention spans, but, um, you know, has come in, he played the one game and certainly looked good. Uh, you've been around the club and probably seen him. I mean, um, this was the first of what people expect had been a number of moves for the Winnipeg Jets, but certainly it did seem like that acquisition was at the top of the list for a player that's an established scorer in this league mm-hmm. to come in and um, be able to eat some minutes in the top six and give some pop that had been lacking as of late. Well, I think that when you look at what his skill set is and what it is that he's known for in this league, it's a lot of what the Winnipeg Jets have been missing lately. I mean, those greasy goals, go, that willingness to go to the net, that grittiness that maybe we haven't seen, and in particular when, not that it was something that we saw from in Cole Perfetti's game, but with him out of the lineup for an extended period of time, they needed somebody to be able to play in that top six and somebody that has experience, which Nino Niederreiter does. And I have to say, I think Jets fans are going to absolutely love him. I mean, with the additional term that he has, so you know that he's going to be here beyond this year. In my limited dealings with him so far, I cannot say enough great things about him. Just what a genuine person he seems to be. A great guy to talk to, or hopefully if you haven't had him on, us, that you'll be able to get him on uh, the show at some point. Because I just think everyone will be so impressed by him. And that was something that I had heard from so many people across the league, whether it be uh, people that worked with him at different organizations or certainly fan bases as well. I had one fan, that a Carolina Hurricanes fan, that messaged me to say that, you know, take good care of him there Jets fans that he's like the boyfriend that you never get over. They said they're still missing him in Carolina. So, um, but I do think that he's, he certainly, he has that potential to be able to add some of what's been missing. And he's obviously very familiar with the central division from all of his years in Minnesota. Plus then uh, this season in Nashville. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it leads us to tomorrow because I mean, a lot of the guys that, you know, we'd spent a lot of time talking about and the insiders have been mentioning, have changed locations already. Um, the Winnipeg Jets, though, I think still have the potential to make some moves. I, I, I sort of speculate, I'm thinking, and this is just kind of where I'm at, that we won't maybe see the uber-aggressive move that I think a lot of people maybe thought would be in the cards a month ago or so, uh, but it's quite clear that the Winnipeg Jets just haven't been getting enough from the bottom six. As Remo mentioned, it was great to see Kevin Stenlin pop a couple much-needed goals on Tuesday. Um, but if history's told us anything, Kevin Sheveldayoff has been quite active trying to round out that roster outside of the core, and um, I would be looking for maybe a player or two to be coming at a much lower cost than some of these big deals we've seen so far to hopefully come in and uh, add a boost to the bottom six because um, that has been a problem area over the past month or so. Well, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, as you mentioned uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff is often, he has been as being a very conservative general manager in how it is that he approaches things or it, he certainly has been active in adding, in adding depth pieces over the years at the deadline. But I do think that they're in a little bit of a conundrum. If you look at it, just given what we have seen from the jets of late, how much of your future do you want to mortgage 
in order to try and go deep here? And do you believe that you'll be able to be successful in it? And I think that if we had seen the Jets from earlier this season and the results um, over the last month, let's say, for this team, that maybe we would be looking at some of those bigger names being here. Maybe approaches, you know, we would think, okay, Kevin is going to be really aggressive at this one. But I think that there's certainly, there's got to be a debate going on in there. And I was hoping... I got to tell you, Hess, that when I moved over to that side, <laughs> that it was just I was going to become the person that he turned to. That hockey ops was going to say, Sarah, come on in. Let's tell you everything. Unfortunately, that has not been the case. So I'm still with, the, like everybody else, you know, waiting to see exactly what it is that happens. But I think that. Um, things certainly became more complicated, I would have to think, over the last little bit, given uh, the results. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, I think that, you know, the the concerning trend and direction of the club over the past month or so um, has really made them, I think, rethink how what they're willing to give up right now. And um, I think that's maybe part of the reason why you've seen the Jets a little bit more pedestrian, although the Niederreiter pickup is significant. Uh, I mean... Make no mistake about it, and I still think that when we look at the what has been paid for the players so far, mm-hmm. I think the value of the Jets getting Niederreiter for that second-round pick, I have no doubt that depending on where the team is next year, if Niederreiter is a player that is a rental, you're probably able to recoup that second-round pick if you're actually trading him right now. But um, the big question about this team is, like, what becomes of it next summer and into next season? And... If you, I mean, the worst case scenario is, you know, you trade your first round pick, you make a huge push to go all in and things continue to go where you're at and it's a quick playoff run, even if you make it. And then all of a sudden it compounds the organizational problems exponentially when all of a sudden you realize that, you know, we are going to be seeing some significant change for the first time in a while, starting with the core of this hockey club, not the guys in the bottom six. Well, and as much as we always refer to 2018 and the acquisition of Paul Stastny and how, how well, obviously, he fit in and and what that was able to produce that season, you think across the board, there have been so many acquisitions over the years at the deadline, big names, big tickets that have gone to new teams and haven't made that impact that thought that they were going to. And I don't think it's as simple as just bringing in somebody that – you know, a, a star player, because we don't always see it work out. I mean, even in the East, whether it works out or not, with the way that that Eastern Conference has shaped up and what we're going to see in first-round matchups, there's been a lot of capital that has been spent <laughs> for teams that for teams that are going to get knocked out in that first round just because of the matchups that we're going to see. But I, I think, actually, Hus, that I was listening to your show yesterday, it was, and listening to you talk about the maybe the um, confidence of this team or at times the lack of it lately, the way that it struggled and, and the way that you liked that they bounced back a bit, although it was only one point they lost in the shootout. I thought as I was listening to it, I was in myself, are we sharing a brain right now? Which might be a little bit concerning has, because it was word for word what I was, everything you were saying, you know, I was just thinking that as well. <laughs> so um, but I do think that 
um, you don't necessarily, you know, want to want to mortgage the future on something like that. You got to play the long game on it. And I know that that isn't necessarily going to make fans happy and that everybody does want just the splash for it. But um, the, whether or not those results are going to be there this year remains to be seen. I'm incredibly intrigued to see what the team, regardless of whether or not they make moves tomorrow before the deadline i'm incredibly interested to see what sort of winnipeg jets team we see tomorrow night in edmonton and then saturday back home against the oilers again whether they win or lose those games i think that what we see in terms of effort in terms of execution is going interesting uh, as we keep an eye on what this jets team does down the stretch well exactly and i mean listen you know the road trip last week you know was was concerning and i think he, this even dates back to before the all-star break i mean josh morrissey i think with his performance in the third period of that game against st louis going into the break gave everyone the ability to collectively exhale and maybe not freak out over that time of the week and a half where the team was away um, and you had a couple nice wins against you know Chicago and Seattle coming back, but that road trip was was I would say concerning. But the games last weekend, Sarah, mm-hmm. I think th- those two games were one that was a, a basically a cold hard reality check for management and Kevin Sheveldayoff. And and I think to your point, I mean, I think they really did have to maybe take a step back and reevaluate. Wait a sec, where are we right now with this team? How much do we need to do if we're going to make a serious run and at what cost? And, I mean, obviously the game was ugly on Friday night against a great team in the Colorado Avalanche. Um, But the response or lack thereof on Sunday, I think, was somewhat sobering for some people in in uh, in management. And um, that's maybe why things have been a little quieter. Um, All that being said, back to that game. There was a lot that I think people had hoped to maybe see on the weekend that wasn't there, that was there, and I am with you. Um, you know, this is going to be a hell of a test Friday and Saturday against an Edmonton Oilers team that has made some moves, that has a serious run of urgency right now, knowing their timeline with McDavid and Dreisaitl there. And uh, they looked pretty darn good last night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow. I mean, just when you thought that McDavid couldn't take it to another level, he just, he continues to, he just, astound is really the word that used for me, where I just continue to shake my head at what he is able to do um, in this league and, and against high quality teams too. It's not as if he's just beating up on teams that are, you know, at the bottom of the standings, obviously what he was able to do last night against Toronto and good that they look. So it'll be interesting to see what the Oilers do as well. But I do, I think that I do think about this Jets team that it'll be, um, it's one of the things, here's my thing is that for this, one of the things that I have heard all throughout Um, this season or at least in the first half of it was players always speaking about how there was so much clarity with Rick Bonus and his staff and it was one of the things that they appreciated most everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing where they were supposed to be going you saw the early returns and guys buying in we saw them committing to a style of play that you know maybe had been lacking the last couple of years and so you thought okay they're getting results and yes Everybody seems to be, you know, everybody's catching up and elevating their play as the season goes on. But how it's gotten off the rails is what it is that I'm most intrigued by. And what I would love to just have an honest conversation with Claire about going, where did this, where did this seem to change? Because 
what we saw on Sunday or on Friday night in particular, and then again on Sunday afternoon was, was something that we haven't seen a lot of. And I'm a firm believer, not all saves are created equal. Not all losses are the same either. And it was how the Jets have been losing and how they've been playing that I think uh, has to be concerning and something that obviously has to get rectified right away. Even if they don't come out with two or four points out of um, this series against this home and home series against the Oilers, they have to change. They have to get back to playing the type of game that we saw from the Jets earlier on, if they want to be able to make that run into the postseason. Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you got a really, I mean, an Oiler team on a high with back-to-back games. You got a game against San Jose at home, the Minnesota wild who are playing very well. I think they won six of their last seven and then a road trip to Florida, Tampa, Carolina, and a home game against the Boston Bruins. I mean, if I if you had told me four months ago that the Jets would be in a playoff spot right now at the deadline and this is the way things would look, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. It's fantastic. However, the way they played at the start, the bar was set high enough, mm-hmm. and what we've seen recently, I think for fans, has maybe been a bit of a reality check, but most importantly for the guys that are paid to make the decisions of how you go forward, and I think that's what's going to make tomorrow such an interesting day for people following the Jets, both on the inside, the outside, and for people watching this show and uh, waiting to see what happens on the weekend when they actually get back to playing on the ice. Yeah, absolutely, and I do think that whether moves are made tomorrow or or um, additional players are brought in or it, this always seems to get a lot of um, pushback from fans when they say it. This team, regardless of how they have played recently, or it, it this isn't this you know fires ill the everything is ending sort of scenario that fans seem to think it is. You look that although Colorado obviously has come on and I think that they're going to win the West, never um, never mind the Central, for it, you look at some of the teams upon, yes, but nobody in terms of Dallas hasn't run away, with, run away with it. There's a lot of, as much as the Jets are, you know, struggling right now and have fallen into that second wildcard spot, they can easily get themselves back in with a little run here as well into that top three spot that they're looking for. But I just want to I just want to see the response. And I think that that this is a Jets team that their character is being tested within that room right now. So how do you step up? We knew that adversity was going to hit them. It's come in waves in recent times, much stronger or much more adversity than what you know um, that they were hoping that they were never going to have to face this season. But how is it that they respond? Because they do have talented players within that room. And so it's all about playing as a team, buying into that team system. And I'm also a big believer that the best teams don't necessarily aren't always filled with the biggest stars because I think that that dynamic doesn't always work. You need to have players that can complement each other. And I will take a team that plays as a team over just ones that are filled with a star here or star there any day of the week. Because as we've seen, Let's take them into Oilers as an example. You can have the best player on the planet in your roster, but if everyone else isn't able to necessarily buy in or you don't have that full team game, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And your results at the end in June are going to be the same as pretty much everybody else. 
All that being said, the way McDavid's playing right now, I might take him one-on-one <laughs> against some teams right now with five straight games with two goals in a game. You, you, okay, to... you're not wrong. Maybe McDavid was, <laughs> maybe McDavid in the past. Not the best example for me to use at this exact what moment. A time, but... What a time for us to get McDavid back-to-back back, uh, right now at such a crucial point. But what a message season. that they can send to themselves, right? Well, like And to everybody else with the type of response that they could give. No, you're exactly right. I mean, I think that has to be I mean, a big challenge. I mean, a lot of the things that Rick was saying or bonus was saying over the course of the weekend that he started to see some pushback from this team on Tuesday night uh, is going to be mandatory if they're mm-hmm. going to hang with uh, with the with the Oilers and um, you know sports are strange you can turn things around quickly with a good performance here or there um, Josh Morrissey I thought was a guy we were wondering who of this team was going to really step up at a crucial time in the year he was the guy on Tuesday night you know he'll continue to bring it Hopefully you can get a little bit more from the guys up uh, up front and um, um, maybe change the tone around the club, certainly going into just a meat grinder of a schedule over the next little bit. Sarah, I know tomorrow's going to be a very busy day. We're not sure exactly when we'll hear from Kevin Sheveldayoff, but um, all the assembled media will be down at the rink, I'm sure. Um, you guys are busy. Anything special planned on uh, the Jets channels for uh, a very important Friday in the league? Well, absolutely. So we'll be, I mean, as soon as there's any information from a Jeff's standpoint, we'll be all over it. We'll be giving updates as well throughout the day. Hopefully there are some to be able to provide, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, make sure that you tune in and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully be able to bring you Kevin Shevel day off first. Uh, if any trades are made, that is, that's our hopes. You can hear from him right away. But one of the things that I am most looking forward to now, I loved being a part of TSN's trade center over the years us, but Trade Center is a very, very early morning. Um, so, and I think that they start at 8 a.m. Eastern this um, tomorrow, so 7 Central. I'm not going to be disappointed about not setting my alarm for 4.30. Setting my alarm for maybe, you know, 6 o'clock sounds much more appealing to me. <laughs> yeah, one of, the, one of the victories of the changeover, I'm That's sure. Well, right. Kenny and Rennie, Kenny and Rennie are jumping on after us today, and I'm sure Rennie's going right into makeup after that to get him ready for his first hit tomorrow morning on uh, you know, what they're TV, doing. Those TV people, I tell you. <laughs> Sarah, thanks so much for doing this. We'll look forward to tomorrow on a big weekend with these back-to-back games against the Oilers uh, and I've just loved everything you're doing I look forward to tuning in after the game on Saturday on the Jets YouTube channel as well perfect and just very quickly if I can I mean you mentioned runway um, as well earlier when we started things and there is a new runway episode that'll come out tomorrow uh, as well so fans should stay tuned Looking forward to it, Sarah. Thanks so much. There's Sarah Orleski uh, from uh, the Winnipeg Jets jumping on with us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Check out the new runway tomorrow. Dropping, uh, maybe if you're sitting around waiting for some trades before we go on, check out the new runway. And then uh, we'll have an extended show tomorrow as well with the latest of uh, everything going on in and around the National Hockey League uh, before the gun sounds at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, Winnipeg time. All right, Ken Weeb coming up a little bit. Don't forget, Kenny and Rennie will be doing an extended show or a a pop-up show after we're finished today coming up right at 3 p.m. Got to give a big shout-out to our friends at Royal Sports. Uh, This might be a busy time for jerseys. Everyone knows, I mean, the Jets, uh, the uh, Royals have been uh, an incredible spot for so much Winnipeg Jets merchandise, uh, many exclusives that you can't find anywhere else. Um, but they also have the biggest NHL selection anywhere. 
Uh, and with all the players that have changed teams, I have a feeling there might be a fan or two that's looking to get a new uh, a new gear, maybe outside of the Winnipeg Jets for their favorite player that could be on his way to a new team right now. If you haven't checked out Royal, what are you waiting for? 750 Pemina Highway packed with thousands and thousands of pieces of merchandise of your favorite teams from the National Hockey League, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA and the Raptors, World Soccer, uh, the great hockey superstore as well. Big sale on right now on sticks, Warrior sticks up to 50% off. And with uh, spring break coming around the corner, if you're planning on hitting the hills, check out their amazing snowboard selection as well. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. You can also follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Fellas, if you're looking at upgrading the wardrobe in the uh, coming days and weeks, only one place to go for that, and that, of course, is F Apparel with the best prices on custom suits for men in Winnipeg, starting at just 400 bucks. Pop on down to F Apparel. The entire process is a breeze. Um, you get measured up, decide on the colors you want, your fabrics, your styles, and a few weeks later, if you got a great new made-to-fit custom suit, Look good, feel good, and you'll be feeling great when you got your new suit from F Apparel. Of course, they've also got great accessories, chinos, golf pants, untucked shirts, tucked-in shirts, all custom-made to order. And if you're in a wedding party, talk to them about the 15% discount when you get your wedding party suits from F Apparel. And another great offer right now for 2023 high school grads, a free custom shirt and tie with the purchase of any custom suit. F Apparel. That's EPHapparel.com. Pop down and see him as well or make an appointment online or in person at 190 Smith Street downtown. And just before we get Remo back in here and hopefully hear from a little bit of Rick Bones post-practice today before Ken jumps on, don't forget, uh, big slate of games tonight in the National Hockey League and then big one tomorrow, Friday night in Edmonton between Winnipeg and the Oilers. Uh, no better place to get together with the gang to kick off the weekend maybe a fishbowl or two, and uh, watch the big game. Delicious, world-famous Boston's Wings, gourmet pizzas, ice-cold schooners, and more. And pick a player games at most local Boston pizzas for Winnipeg Jets hockey. And if you can't make it out, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Anyone been traded while I was talking to Sarah? Is that a joke? Because actually, yeah, there was a, there was a trade. Do you, do you not know? I, I don't know. I was talking to Sarah, but the way things have been going, I kind of thought that it was about 50-50 that something had happened. Yeah, there actually, there actually was was a trade. Show it to everyone in chat, keeping us updated. We have a trade to announce. Uh, we got uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have acquired goalie Jonathan Quick. Whoa! Yeah, from uh, Columbus. Uh, and they're sending back Michael Hutchinson. Remember him, Hustler? It's Hutch! Actually- Actually, his birthday today. Happy birthday, Hatch. You're going to Columbus. Oh, man. And a 20, 2025 seventh round pick. I believe there is some salary retained there. Um, oh, there will be to, for sure. Uh, yeah. If it's Vegas and a quicks number, this is an interesting swing by Vegas. I mean, this is a bet that Jonathan Quick can come in and help them and maybe step up in the playoffs and regain some of the heroics that he had in the past that completely escaped him this year. I mean, we were talking about the Kings going into the game on Tuesday night. 
and why Phoenix Copley had started 27 games for them is because Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson couldn't make a save for the most part this season. Both had save percentages in the 800s. Both had big, big goals against averages in and around three and a half a year. And that's why the Kings felt that they need to go a different way and get Jonas Corposalo. And, you know, kind of a tough way for his term as a King to end. But I'll tell you what, Remo, can you imagine if Vegas and L.A. play in the first round of the playoffs and King and a Quick is in the other net? Oh, I'm I'm here for that storyline. And now, John the Quick, uh, he hasn't been great that year, which is why they uh, they you know, they moved on from him. Why Phoenix Copley's been starting, but he's been an elite goalie in the past. Maybe he can find it with Vegas, and Vegas needs goalies. Uh, Laner's hurt, we know that. Uh, Hill and Thompson in- injured. They're going. Did, I think did he Hutchinson play for them this year? I got to double uh, check that one. But it, yeah, they played a long list of goalies, and sure, John Quick with the revenge narrative against the Kings in the playoffs. Oh man, I'm. I'm here for that. So, um, pretty, yeah. Earl pretty James, awesome Rob deal Blake, there. Hey, let's build a Dustin Brown statue. Uh, quick, you're going to Columbus. Kind of a very different way they handled those two, uh, those two Kings legends. Um, all right, so that was the deal that just happened over the course of the last few minutes. There was a couple other deals earlier today. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi going to Detroit for a 2024 first-round pick and a 2025 fourth-round pick. And to make room for him, just a coincidence that Taylor Hall has ended up on LTIR right now, Reem. Um, but man, I mean, the arms race in the East continues to get ramped up. And um, that Bertuzzi pick is a guy that I think fits in absolutely perfectly for Boston, considering the fact that he can score and can play and has a real edge to his game, something that we've come to know from the Boston Bruins and certainly something that is going to be needed to get through what shapes up to be maybe the most competitive Eastern Conference bracket that I can remember. Yeah, you I mean, you could see a possible Stanley Cup here, you know, in the second round with the winner of Toronto and, you know, Toronto-Tampa. I mean, that's those are two elite teams there against Boston who's probably going to play, you know, one of the lower, lower teams. And for Boston... Um, they get a nice break there. Detroit retaining 50% of Bertuzzi's salary. They're trading two picks. Taylor Hall's injured. Maybe he'll slot in and his spot in the second or or third line. Bertuzzi had a really nice year last year. Has 62 points in 68 games. He's on a bit of a low, slower pace this year, 14 and 29. But uh, you know the kind of guy he can be. He's a UFA after this year, but you wonder if Boston is going to look to try it and hang on to him. So Boston trading their 2024 first after trading their 2023 first uh, in the Orlov Hathaway deal and then Washington flipped that pick to uh to Toronto and Sandine. so a lot of picks flying left and right but Boston and then Boston you know followed this one up by signing David Pasternak uh, to the long extension uh, what is it uh, 11 and a quarter a year 90 mil 8 years for one of the best players in the National Hockey League and yeah that's a number I think that really makes sense obviously they had to go the full 8 years um but when you think that you know who is it McKinnon's now the highest paid player in the league at 12.6 McDavid's at 12.5 Pasta's in that category amongst the best in the league and um, you knew he was going to get paid good on the Bruins for getting it done and uh keeping him around for eight more years. Speaking of big money contracts, Jacob Voracek's contract, I'm not sure whether his body also part of the trade 
going to the Arizona Coyotes um, as they continue to try to just do what they can do to get above the cap floor after trading a player like Jacob Chikrin and not wanting to retain any salary in the deal. Um, one other deal that happened last night that was a bit of a surprising one, the Tampa Bay Lightning trade Nemetsnikov to the San Jose Sharks, and guess who's going to the three-time defending East champs? It's former Winnipeg Jet and Manitoba Moose Mikey Essamont. I know you tweeted this last night, Remo. What a year Essamont's had and a journey taking him to one of the favorites in the East. Absolutely incredible. I'll sort of start off with the Manitoba Moose where he's played nine games. He had nine points, called up to the Jets, and we were raving about him here. Um, you know, you liked his physical play and the energy. And for the Jets, he had five points in 19 games. But when, you know, guys got healthy, um, he was kind of the last guy in. So they put him on waivers and we were kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, he went to San Jose and I think he was a firecracker for them. They loved his energy. He got time on the top line. He got time on even the top power play at times. And he produced us eight points in 20 games. Caught the eye of Julian Breezeball and the Tampa Bay Lightning and... They traded, and I'm just kind of thinking of you know, Iceman on what, let's say he plays on the fourth line with Tanner Janot. I mean, those are guys who, you know, have energy, aren't afraid to lay the body. Um, They're trying to get tougher to play against when they go up against Toronto. And, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'd have to think Tampa would still have to be the favorite against Toronto, even though Toronto's made moves, just because Tampa's got, they got Vasilevsky and Ned, and as long as they got him, I think they have the advantage. But this is going to be a dogfight uh, between Tampa and... Oh. And Toronto, and they're all loading. I mean, you know, Toronto's got more moves coming. They're they're not done. So we'll have to see how these teams all all counter. It's fascinating to watch these East teams all load up. All the West been relatively quiet. Um, Vegas has a couple moves. Um, who Colorado got Eller yesterday. Dallas has done. They got Dadanov. That's it. And the Jets got Niederreiter. So the, these East teams are going crazy here. Yeah. Now I'll be honest. I don't think Asimov's going to play. Um, you don't think much. so. Well, I mean, I don't really see where, I mean, unless, I mean, the fourth line right now is Perry, Maroon, and Belmar. I mean, yeah, I can't see uh, any of those guys leaving. I mean, your third line is Colton, uh, Nick Paul with Tanner Janot, and then the top six is Hagel, Point, Kucherov, Stamkos, Sorelli, Killorn. Um, to be honest, what I think this trade might be is a sign that Tampa's not done, that Tampa might be looking to go elsewhere because... Essimont, the one thing that he does come with is a league minimum salary. And this goes back to the cap right now. I mean, I pull up Tampa, um, I pull up Tampa and their and their list. And, you know, Essimont is an RFA at $750,000. And they brought in Tanner Janot, who was only $800,000 this year. So, I mean, the bottom of the, the bottom of the Tampa group is, is funny. You know, they do have the big money players in Vasilevsky and Kucherov and Point and Stamkos. Um, everyone else is under $5 million, And of their forwards, Hagel, Colton, Belmar, Perry, Maroon, Genoa, Essimont, all $1.5 million or less. And they've even got a couple players, you know, in uh, Fleury and Bogosian on the blue line that are... Um, that, you know, they're under, under a million bucks. So a uh, very top heavy at points and um, 
filling out the roster. But Essimon will be a nice depth player. Maybe he's a black ace. Maybe he gets into some games in the playoffs. I guess injuries um, will play a big, big part on that. Um, Rewind. I know we're going to get Ken on in just a minute. Um, uh, anything from uh, Bones that we should maybe hit before we bring in Ken? Yeah, I got I got a couple clips from Rick Bonus. Uh, Showed to the Jets for putting this up. A lot of questions. I think because they had two days of practice, a lot of the questions today, not really about the Jets, but about... <laughs> The upcoming opponent, McDavid and Dreisaitl, and everyone wants to know, how are you going to stop these guys? I mean, you see them last night? Have you seen well, them this season? I think McDavid's average like you know, two you know goals that, a- You know that McDavid scored two goals a game in his last five? Yeah. And if, and I was just going to say uh, that. Yeah. Milestone alert. Um, he can tie a record that goes back to, I believe, 1920 with two what? goals <laughs> against the Jets. <laughs> the minute Nielsen told me that, I just, my head sunk. I'm like, count on oh, it. Jets no. are going to need to score a bunch of goals on Friday night if they want to win this hockey game uh, because what McDavid's doing right now. Although the most impressive thing from last night's game was not McDavid's two goals or anything else. It was Ryan Nugent Hopkins beating the piss out of hole, a huge defenseman on the Leafs. I'll be honest, I did not know that the Nuge had that club in his bag, but... Um, Man, he stepped up after Yamamoto got hit, and that was, uh, that, well, needless to say, I think they talked for four hours, not about the deadline today in Edmonton, but uh, but about the Nuge fight last night. That was uh, that was something to see. Yeah, I was watching a guy out of Toronto. I was like, well, Hole can't come back to the team after that. And funny, I remember Ryan Nugent Hopkins at the Heritage Classic. I was going into the, one of the media entrances, and he was behind me, and like he looked. I know he's listed at six foot. But he looked kind of like he's got that boyish look. He looked like a kid. I mean, the guy, the security's asking him for ID, being like, you can't really be a, an NHL guy. But he's having a fantastic year, has 73 points in 62 games, you know, playing top power play, shooting percentage off the charts to 19.4%. Maybe an outlier from his career 12. Either way, he's having a career. And I did, I agree. I did not know that he was capable of that. Seems like such a nice guy, but. Hey, when you're on the ice, uh, things change. Things change, Hus. I'll tell you what. If you want to grab those clips ready, uh, sure. by the way, I- folks, if you just popped in earlier, we've got a huge crowd today. Lots of interest in and around the deadline. Uh, hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already, and make sure you're joining us uh, whenever you can, live on YouTube between 1 and 3. Uh, and when you're subscribed, of course, it's completely free. Uh, if you're not able to join us live, when you jump on YouTube afterwards, you'll have the freshest Winnipeg Sports Talk content there for you to consume at your pleasure. Uh, and if you've just found us on YouTube, podcast is available every day as soon as we're done so if you do like consuming the audio version of it make sure to go wherever you get your favorite podcast search winnipeg sports talk and get subscribed um all right ken coming up in a minute we are going to hear a couple clips from rick bonus uh do want to thank our good friends at princess auto and of course we always do great curling coverage with princess auto planning actually a trip out to the players championship with Princess Auto coming up in April. But the Briar gets going tomorrow. Good luck to all the Manitoba teams. Matt Dunstone, one of the favorites going in. Uh, we'll be talking about it for the next week or so. Princess Auto is the uh, place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, you can always shop online 24-7-365. Make it work at princessauto.com. 
Uh, our friends at Culligan Water have been the go-to people for water products and services as a family-owned business for over 65 years here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba with everything you need, like water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. You can pop down and see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180 if you want to give them a call or check out all their products and services for you and your family online at drinkculligan.com. And uh, our friends at Canadian Club are the title sponsor of the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, which is coming up this weekend on Friday and Saturday. Friday is sold out. There's still a limited number of tickets for Saturday. So if you are a whiskey lover, don't miss this incredible event in support of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. You can find out more at their website for ticket events or just search Winnipeg Whiskey Festival. And, of course, Canadian Club proudly supporting that. Winnipeg Sports Talk, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And you can get Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. All right, we've got Ken coming up in just a second. Remember, let's uh, bang out this uh, quick uh, clip from uh, Bones on the update for uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, if you would. Uh, Doobie skated this morning, had a light skate. He will travel with us. He would be, he'll skate tomorrow morning. I'm not sure with us or on his own. We'll see how he feels in the morning. But uh, he would be very, very doubtful for tomorrow and maybe hopeful for, for Saturday. Well, that's it. Again, he's, he's more day to day. All right. Not good news going into, uh, going into Edmonton. Without Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, but um, that's where they are right now. One more clip, um, and this is uh, more on the uh, opponent for the Winnipeg Jets coming up on the weekend, and that is the uh, red-hot Connor McDavid and his Edmonton Oilers. It's on ice awareness. Uh, we always try to make sure that one of our forwards picks one of those guys up early, uh, and it doesn't matter which forward it is, the closest guy <laughs> them, they get the puck, we try to get above them. Uh, and, and just as important is what we do with the puck when they're on the ice in, in terms of not, not turning the puck over and making them play in the defensive zone and hanging on to pucks and making plays. If, I know, it, I think McDavid's second goal, uh, there was a turnover and gone, see you later. Right? So uh, it's a matter of on ice awareness, getting above him, try to slow him down. He was the best you can. I mean, he's the best skater in the world right now for me. Uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine anyone being a better skater than him right now, uh, anywhere in the world, um, and just try to slow him up as much as you can. Talk to three guys in the room, and, and you just mentioned it now, it's like a, a five, kind of five-player effort. So I, you mentioned even when you have the puck, you need to kind of be aware. Is that what you mean as a five-player effort? Yes. Understanding. Yeah. He's on the ice. Just, just manage the puck properly. Don't you know, don't be giving it back to them. If they get it, make them earn it. Uh, don't be making poor percentage plays or going in the offensive zone and throwing hopers to the slot because uh, <laughs> you're going to be chasing them all night. So it is a five-man unit. It is somebody getting above them as much as we can and slowing them up. And just as important as what we, we do with the puck when they are on the ice. All right, there's a little bit of Bones post-practice, and uh, now let's welcome in our pal Ken Weeb. And uh, Weber and Rennie will be going at it right after Winnipeg Sports Talk today. So if you're with us live on YouTube, we'll send a bit of a WST raid over uh, and continue the conversation in this space. Ken, what's going on? How are you? 
Hoss, great to be with you. Uh, excellent. Things are going well as usual. Uh, a little quiet on the Jets front, maybe, but uh, overall a fun time of year. And we'll be monitoring things very closely up until that 2 p.m. deadline and see where things kind of maneuver. I think not just in Winnipeg, but uh, throughout the Central Division. I think there's a couple of teams that have sort of been on the periphery here in on some things, but uh, maybe have some bigger moves ahead. I'm thinking about the Dallas Stars here as well, Hus. Minnesota has been, you know, active as a third party, active in bringing in a couple of forwards in Nyquist and Johansson. But uh, I think the Stars and Jets are two teams that I would still have my eyes open for. And I understand lots of folks are saying, oh, there's nobody left. There's nobody left. Well, there's not a lot of people left on most of the board, the big boards. But I would say there are still some players that would be available and, you know, other players that could become available here in the hours leading up to tomorrow. But it's interesting for sure, Hus. There's a lot happening and I know the Jets have been mostly quiet other than, you know, good first step with Nino Niederreiter. I just, I, there's, I just do not envision a scenario where they built up all of that cap space and don't use it on something. So I'm not saying there's a big, big swing blockbuster a la Paul Stastny coming around the corner. I will be surprised if, you know, the majority of that cap space that is available does not get used. Hey, uh, just before we talk about who might be available and potential moves and just the, the thought process and maybe the back and forth going through the uh, the doors inside of uh, of the arena downtown, um, Andy Strickland uh, reporting earlier today that Logan Stanley's asked for a trade from the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, what do you make of that, Ken? And uh, what are the chances that Stanley is still a Jet come Saturday? I mean, good reporting by Andy. I think this is something that Elliot has, uh, Friedman, my colleague, has also mentioned. Maybe in the summertime, he thought there might have been, you know, some certain times over the year where Logan has been a little bit frustrated with maybe how things have maybe haven't progressed as much as possible for him. Uh, obviously, we know that, you know, in a lot of ways, I would say that because of the injuries that that left the door open, Dylan Sandberg, I think, has passed Logan Stanley for the majority of of, of time on the Jets' depth chart. But I mean, I don't. Huss, this doesn't really, this doesn't resonate with me, to be honest. And that's no offense, but we've heard players that have been asked before. I mean, if there's a deal to be made for Logan Stanley, they'll make it. I, I just, I don't see, I don't see the player being in a position for demand, nor do I see the team in a position where A, they need to move him, or B, they would be at the situation where they would be, you know, kind of at the end of the development rope with him. Uh, I don't think things have progressed the way either either the team or the player have maybe had hoped. Um, but I, I don't see this being a, you know, I don't, Logan Stanley is not a front burner issue for the Winnipeg Jets is how I would put it, Huss. And I don't mean that to sound negative towards Logan, uh, but their issues run deeper than trying to find a home for someone who may or not be unhappy with his ice time. So, uh, if Stanley is involved as a sweetener or if he maybe, you know, we've been talking, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the Arizona Coyotes not wanting a lot of high salaried players and their latest move being bringing in the contract of Jacob Voracek, which uh, it looks like it will be paid by insurance and getting to the floor. I would say that there's a possibility that Logan Stanley could be in a vol- involved in a trade with a team like the Arizona Coyotes where there could be more opportunity on the back end. Um, but I mean, the Jets, need to worry first about, you know, bolstering their middle six and then upgrading their defense. And if that means including Logan Stanley in a package, um, or maybe that package is available so that they can open the door for one of their players who is knocking on the door with the moose, by all means. But uh, I don't think the Jets' priority list shifted, you know, whether there was an ask or not, and I'm not questioning the reporting. Like I said, I think that this is something that 
uh, maybe Logan had asked for previously as well. So, because uh, Andy is a great reporter, so I, I'm not. I'm not saying. I, well, I definitely reason- think it it could have happened, but Huss, I mean, I just like the, Logan Stanley is right now fighting to get into the lineup on a team that is looking to upgrade. So, well, he's I a depth defenseman. He's huge. He hasn't been very sure. good. He's been passed on the depth chart. But the reason why I sort of I, I go well, obviously the reason we bring it up is that Andy reported this today, and it's sure topical. But it I will say I'm interested in in your thoughts on this. I mean, when I look at Logan Stanley and the type of player that he is, he's huge. He's I mean, he's a depth defenseman that comes with some real size, and you know you would like to see him play maybe with a little more bite than he has overall. Isn't right now at the deadline the time when a player like that might have the most value if you are going to move on from him? Well, it depends who's interested, Huss. I mean, do you, do you see a contender making a move on Logan Stanley? No, it would be a team that's out of it, right? A team that thinks that he could play more for them and maybe grow into a different role. Uh, it, this is super interesting to me, Huss. might I not mean, necessarily play, but I mean, all these teams, I mean, you know, we hear about, oh, you need to have 10 defensemen to win the cup. I mean, if I am going to be making a run and think that this guy can play if need be, um, he might be a fine seven or eighth defenseman for a team that think they might need him in a particular spot on a long playoff run. Sure, but I mean, what, where's the evidence that would tell you that? And secondly, Hasu, if that's the case, why the Jets still see themselves as a buy, as a buyer? Why would they be selling an asset? I mean, I, I don't think that you'd be selling high on Logan Stanley right now. So I, I just don't know that. And again, the, the reason why I say it doesn't move the needle for me is because there has been a long laundry list of players who have expressed some discontent and almost none of them had been moved immediately. And I don't see Logan being a position of strength to be demanded to be moved out of town immediately. I mean, we've seen him around the rink. I mean, he's not a guy who's hanging his head a lot. I don't think he's a a guy that would be a disruptor. It's not like someone you have to get out of the room immediately or it's not going to work, but, um, you know, it's hard. We're, we're just speculating here, right? This came this, the, if the report had come out half an hour a bit earlier, then there would have been a crowd along, around Logan Stanley's locker saying, "What can you tell us about this, Logan?" Um, but I don't. I I just don't see it as an untenable situation. And I, and Huss, I'm sorry. I just don't see a, a team that is. Let's say a team higher in the standings, unless their only option is to add a nine hundred thousand dollar player. I don't think that Logan Stanley would be at the top of many lists based on, like I said, he is he is what he has always been. He is a project player, and if you're a team taking him on, uh, you're taking him on because you feel like you have the room to allow him to grow. Is he still a project, or is he just is what he is? I mean, it's a fair question. I just would say this, Huss. I mean, he still has had, like, just based on the number of NHL games played and the number of games missed, I think you still have to include him in a in the project role. I mean, he hasn't established himself as a full-time he is a full-time NHLer, sorry, but he's not a top 6 full-time NHLer because currently he is in a battle with the likes of Dylan Sandberg and Kyle Capabianco to be in the lineup when he's been healthy. And now it's unfortunate for Logan because I think there were a couple stretches where he actually played some okay hockey, but then he got hurt right away. So uh, I can understand why there would be frustration. I mean, but to me, this is no different than, um, you know, there's no different than Jack Rosovic expressing frustration uh, for not being higher than a third line player for the majority of his time with the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, I would say that in, you know, in a lot of ways, Jack Rosovic was more of more of a high profile player, even though Logan was taken 18th and Jack was taken 25th. 
I would say that Jack is the more high profile player coming out of a, you know, he was more of a higher kind of highly touted prospect or more finished prospect based on, you know, his time with the U S national development program and everything else. So I think it's super interesting, Hus, but I, I think it's interesting because we've had so little to talk about uh, that something like that would be an eyebrow raiser. Uh, but again, like first line players have demanded to be traded by the jets before and they don't just say, Oh, Oh, you don't want to be here? Oh, sure. Let me let me let me try to help you. I mean, I'm not saying they wouldn't try to help Logan Stanley, but as I I've written and as you and you've talked about with many other people, the Jets are they have an obligation to improve their roster. Like just handing over Logan Stanley if there is a bidder whether that's a contender or a team that's out of it and would like to see what they have in Logan Stanley. Like I said, to me that's not a top priority or front burner item. If it gets done before three two p.m., would I be surprised? No, uh, but I don't see that. It, like I think the Jets have far greater concerns or you know pieces they would like to acquire uh, before you know crossing that off the list of their things to do. If it's even on their list of things to do to begin with, us because we've got to remember the other side of this and the, and the part about Andy's report that often gets glossed on. And I'm not saying by you, Andy also made it clear doesn't mean he will be on the move or that the team will make the move. So we know what the Jets feel about Logan Stanley. And I've seen us. We've not only what not do they seen feel any, about not, him. They well, feel like he's not good enough to play in their top six. Well, Huss, but we've also seen every time he's been healthy, he's been put into the lineup. So they haven't given up on him. Otherwise they'd be playing Kyle Capabianco ahead of him. So right now, Logan Stanley is not playing as much as Dylan Sandberg, but I mean, Every time we've seen them have a, whenever the door is open to Logan Stanley, they've moved mountains to get him into the lineup because of their, you know, their feelings towards him as a penalty killer. So this is something I understand. Like 2016 is a long time ago, Huss. I know exactly where you're coming from. This guy is going to be, I think, 20, 25 years old this year. So do they have a better idea of what he is? Sure. But I mean, there's still some runway for Logan. Like Logan Stanley's not over the hill. Uh, if suddenly he gets rid of the injury issues and gets back to using his feet, maybe becomes a little bit more of an aggressive player. I mean, like the player we saw in Nashville who went into the lineup, drilled Cody Glass, then got into a fight immediately with uh, Alexander Carrier, I think it was. I mean, do you need to see more of that if you're the Winnipeg Jets and you still have designs or plans for him? Of course you got to see more, but uh, I just don't see this as being at the end of the of the road here for the two sides. Uh, is it possible that a move is made if someone shows an interest? Of course. Could he be a sweetener? Of course. But I don't think that suddenly we should say because of a tweet that this is all of a sudden something that the Jets are going to snap their fingers and say, you know, you know what we need to do? Get rid of Logan Stanley. I mean, Huss, we've seen the evidence. They protected him over Dylan DeMello. So, yeah, but I mean, like Elliot's also mentioned that Stanley's name has been brought up. Oh, I mean, yeah, I don't no, think no. that that like sure. this is not breaking news. Like all of a sudden, no, I mean, no, no. He, I think he's expendable. I think this might if they if they are at the point where listen, we've done we've gone through this. It hasn't worked out. He's not really in our plans to be, you know, a guy that's going to be playing very much for us. You know, if we move on him right now, is now the time where we might get the best return for a player like that? And I'm sure this is something that they have considered. Sure. And and again, like Elliot also mentioned that he was surprised he wasn't involved in the deal with Niederreiter. So, I mean, if you're, if you're Nashville, Huss, I mean, if you're Nashville and you just got rid of Ekholm, you are also lacking size on the back end. So, I mean, would they circle back on somebody else? 
I mean, I thought maybe Grandland might be someone that would interest the Jets. So, I mean, could a team come in and say, yes, we see some of the qualities in Logan Stanley that would fit here? Of course. We've talked about this a couple of times in the show, and I finally had a chance to ask Rick Bonus about it. And I even asked Jamie Alexiak about it when he was here with the Seattle Kraken. So he left Dallas, went to Pittsburgh, and then they had to bring him back because then he became that well-rounded player that they always thought that they had when they drafted him uh, in the first round. So, again, I'm not saying this is a distinct parallel, but there is a parallel there. And there's always the other part, too. There's always the risk element involved when it comes to players like Logan Stanley who are viewed as project players because the second they go out the door and they do something with somebody else, now all the same people that are yelling and saying they should have traded him three years ago are saying, how in the world could you trade a six foot seven guy that's suddenly a third pairing defenseman and fights and hits and does everything that that appears to be lacking at times uh, on the back end. But Hus, I, I totally get it. I mean, a lot of people are frustrated. Their patience level is running thin. And now it sounds like the player's patience level is also running thin. So could I see a deal made? Yes. But now what's the price tag? I mean, we've seen what the higher end guys on the list are moving for. And it doesn't, you know, some are huge price tags like Tanner Janot in some regards in terms of volume and others are more underwhelming in terms of what you get. And that's the beauty of this time of year, Hus. There's always somebody saying, oh, Philip Ronick, well, what a great move by Vancouver. You know, maybe he's a top pairing guy. There's another segment of the population saying, what in the world is Vancouver doing trading a first and a second for a 25-year-old defenseman who is supposed to be on a, going to a team that's rebuilding? I mean, it, we're, we're in a fascinating spot. And us, I get it. The inactivity, we need to talk about something because there has been inactivity for the most part on this front, and we're expecting a flurry of action. Now, if tomorrow comes at 2 p.m. and there's no flurry of action, I mean, I think some hard questions are going to need to be asked because... I mean, it's either, this is what we know. The Jets were in on Jacob Chikrin. To what degree, we don't know. I mean, could they not have beaten the offer? Again, we don't know if the offer changed. That's the beauty of these deals. The only people that know for sure are the people that are on the line and the people that, you know, they get information leaked to them. Do I think the Jets could have made a better offer for Jacob Chikrin? I think they could have, but I don't know that for certain. Uh, But I... Well, maybe it means they were can, concerned about the injury risks. Huss. Well, I mean, maybe Chicken wasn't think, interested. I, I I don't know. Like that's I the think beauty. They're of concerned this. about. I mean, listen, Sarah and I just talked about this beforehand. But I mean, I can't help but think. I've certainly felt like this. Like the last few weeks, the way this team has played, and I mean, the weekend could not have been more of a disaster for the club. I mean, I think that that was a cold, a hard slap of reality to people in management for the Winnipeg Jets that maybe it wouldn't be prudent giving up tons of future assets for a team that's going in the wrong direction. Um, I mean, where are you on that? I mean, do you think that the outlook maybe has changed or cooled a little bit because of the way this hockey team has played over the course of the past month, especially in the past week? I mean, it's certainly possible. And like I said, I mean, Kevin Sheveldayoff certainly isn't telling you or I this, Huss. I mean, have there been... I mean, the actions will tell us the answer to that question, Huss. It's up to you and I to predict what will happen. And like I said, it's entirely possible that his opinion has changed. But I would say that would give you even more... And this is what I've been arguing with Sean about on the show. I mean, I understand that a 15-15-1 you know, record over the last 31 after going 29-1 and would give a general manager reason for pause. But given the uncertainty of the situation, I would say it would be even more of an impetus for change, Huss. I mean, because you know, just banking on them figuring it out, 
I mean, how is that a a move that's going to work? I mean, you, this group needs to be augmented. Their roster needs to improve. Whether that means adding a core piece or adding a piece on the periphery, I think the evidence has shown that this is a good hockey team. But like we've been saying the whole time, they're not an elite hockey team. Right now, I don't see a scenario, Huss, where the Jets can win four rounds with the roster they have and the injuries they're dealing with. I just don't. I mean, could Connor Hellbuck get hot and prove me wrong? Of course he could. But what I see are teams around the Jets getting better, and the Jets have gotten better with Niederreiter, but because of the injury to Perfetti, to me it's just a treading water situation, Huss, in terms of what their roster looks like. That's not to say there aren't some internal solutions, but right now the Jets need some help. Don't you think? And I, that's what you're saying, right? So well, I yeah, agree with you completely. I, I do, but I mean, I'm also on it. And you know what? I said this even earlier on in the year when things were looking really good. Like, oh, it'll be interesting to get to the trade deadline. But the one thing that I'm not putting on the table is the Jets' first-round pick because I think this draft is going to be a very important one for the club, and we know how deep it is. Um, right. It is right now. Um and, and listen, I mean, I guess Jacob Chikrin comes in and does check off a major box that this team needs. But man, like, is this team right now with what's coming up likely this summer at the earliest or by next year's trade deadline at the latest in a position to move off of multiple first round picks? I, I, I'm not in that boat personally. And that's why. It doesn't surprise me that Arizona had to settle for what they got from Ottawa with maybe the caveat that the Ottawa first-round pick was significantly projected to be better and higher than what the Jets or anybody else in that mix would, and that's maybe why they went to the two second-rounders. And, of course, there's the other caveat that they didn't want to take any salary back as part of the trade. Well, and there, I mean, too, I mean, the Jets have been well ahead of Ottawa for most of the year. I mean, you look up now, it's 72 points for the Jets and 64 for Ottawa. That's still a significant gap. It's an eight-point gap. But, again, we don't know all the information. I mean, Timo Meyer. I mean, the price tag was reasonable, but they still gave up a lot for him. It's just that most of the people don't know who the players are, which is why they're saying that's all they got. I mean, we saw Zetterland last week. He's a third liner on a highly skilled Devils team. That doesn't mean he's a good, not a good player or might grow into one. I understand. Like, this is such a fascinating time. I mean, Brian Burke says it best all the time. You know, we've seen a flurry of moves in a lot of markets who think that they can win. You know what? There's going to be one market that's happy at the end of this year and 31 that are unhappy mostly, right? One team's going to have a parade and the rest of the teams are going to say, oh boy, we gave up a lot here. We talk about buyer's remorse. I mean, Hus, last year we were praising Florida at the deadline because they went in for it. Now, what are we saying about Florida now? How in the world could you have given up all those first-round draft picks? Right? So, like, it's a... I thought they were insane, to be honest with you. And the fact that they traded a first-round pick for Ben Sherratt <laughs> unprotected is still... I mean, for a guy that wasn't even around afterwards, I mean, I guess they had. And at some point, and I guess this is a it's an interesting comparison to the Jets because Florida did have such a great season and they were the top team in the East. Right. And I guess they had maybe, we always say that the team sort of gives their message to the general manager about what to do. And, you know, often if you've got a first place team like the Boston Bruins are right now, they're being incredibly aggressive because they feel this is the year. Unfortunately, in this situation with Winnipeg, from where I'm sitting, 
they've sent a message to the general manager and it's pumped the brakes on getting too crazy right now because this team's going in the wrong direction. And I'm not sure that an extra move or two is going to completely flip around as long as this team is led by the core that has been here and that has had some diff- disappointing second halves of the season in recent years as well. No, I mean, that's fair, but I mean, so then what's the maneuver? I mean, so do you get moving on changing the core right now? Or, I mean, we thought there was going to be a flurry of action in the summer and it, that didn't transpire. Now we thought going into the deadline, there would be a bunch of moves now and it hasn't transpired to date. I mean, you, you know, this team's not all of a sudden going to trade eight players in the summertime, right? Huh? So I understand where you're saying. And then, but my message is this, I'm not saying the Jets should do what Kyle Dubas is doing. I'm not saying trade the next three first rounders by any stretch of the imagination. What I am saying is that by only spending a 2024 second on Nino Niederreiter, they still have capital and prospects and even potentially players that would be of some appeal to other teams to improve their roster. Now, do I have all the answers on how they would do that? No, because I don't know what other teams are looking for. But what I am saying, they have an obligation to make the team better because otherwise what it, so if this, if this roster as currently constructed us either finishes eighth in the West or misses the playoffs because they did nothing else. Do you think people are going to be happy because they didn't mortgage the future potentially? And, and I mean, what is the future in this well, case? Well, the the future is a major overhaul of the entire roster, starting with some of the most important players on the entire team. Like right. I get it. The clock, we people talk about a two year window. To me, it's a one year window. It's this year. Now at the same time, um, if you, if you go crazy and you trade your first-round pick and trade a few of those prospects and you win a round and you're out, where does that leave this team going into next year, going into next summer? And I'll be honest, Ken. I mean, I don't know whether I told you this off-air you know, after the game on Sunday, but with all of the activity that had happened around the league, I wouldn't have been surprised if all of a sudden we heard the names of a Pierre-Luc Dubois or a Mark Scheifele or somebody on one of those trade bait boards because of... Right. You know what? What like where this team was heading, the way that that they were playing, and and the you know the overall vibe and general direction of it. It was gonna be way different if they started terribly and had an amazing last month. But I mean, Kevin Shevoldayoff has to act in the present, and um, the present hasn't been good for the Winnipeg Jets. Agreed, Hus. But two things: a, what message are you sending to those players who got you off to a good start, and b, what message are you sending to the fan base? Like accepting mediocrity, is that the message? Or what is the honestly, I'm not trying to put words in anyone's well, mouth. I but, mean, it put it this way, if that went through that, I think it would be, you know, we've like this is the reality for the Winnipeg Jets. As much as it's great, you know me. I'd love nothing more than to see the team have a parade at some point. I mean, I want two things in life: Jets to win the cup and something <laughs> you already have, a hole in one. That's it. Um, so I mean, it would be great, but I mean, it's hard to ignore where the team is, especially with the bigger context of what's happening with this club come in the offseason when you're either extending older players or moving off of them for what you can get. And at that point, it really does become some of, we can call it a rebuild, reset, retool, whatever you want. There's change coming for this hockey club. And um, as I said, a month ago, I didn't think we'd be having this conversation because what the team had been able to do up until this point but unfortunately, um, I, I think a big reason why it has been a little more quiet around the Winnipeg Jets 
is because of the direction of this club and particularly just a dreadful weekend that was supposed to be a time for this team to step up and maybe answer some of the questions. And, well, if we got answers on Friday and Sunday, they weren't the ones that people were looking for, especially inside of that management box. Sure. And, but I, again, I would say too, like if, if we're talking about potentially extending players, if you want to extend Connor Hellebuck, don't you think Connor Hellebuck would have a much better chance of extending if the Jets tried to help the team right now when they're within four or five points of first place? I well, mean, I think that they will try to do that. Well, I mean, let's just get to tomorrow because I mean, I think there's a few possibilities from my perspective. I think that this will look similar to maybe a few of the other recent trade deadlines where you're talking about, you know, maybe it's a prospect or two, not a first-round elite prospect okay. going somewhere and getting maybe a player or two that can come in and fit and try and give some juice to the bottom six. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's certainly not an obvious player out there, especially with the amount of guys that have gone already. That is sort of what I'm expecting tomorrow. Um, where are you? Yeah, I mean, I still think that there is a, you know, a, a player that we haven't thought of. I mean, that's the Jets style, right? Ala, Paul, Stastny. Uh, do I know where that player resides? I have no idea. I've been trying to look at every board. Uh, I know there's been lots of talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. Does that mean that, you know, what if the smoke signals are sort of right? But what if it's actually Travis Konechny rather than any of the defensemen that have been mentioned, Huss? So, uh, I don't know that. I'm just speculating. I think he's a guy the Jets were certainly interested in in his draft year. I know that Philly's been very hesitant in terms of moving him. Uh, but, I mean, that would be the kind of impact player that would help the middle six for the Jets. I mentioned Nick Schmaltz in my column this morning, yesterday morning. Uh, you know, he got hurt yesterday. I don't know the severity. And, you know, we've been talking so much about money with Arizona. The thing about Schmaltz, he's on a deal that pays 5.85 in terms of a cap hit. There's three more years. The salary in those years is 7.5, 8.45, and 8.5. So if the Coyotes don't want to be paying more than they want, I highly doubt they want to be paying someone on a 5.8 cap hit $8.5 million at a time when they're not going to be competitive. So uh, maybe a player like that suddenly becomes available. I don't know, but if the Jets are more worried about being a cap ceiling team, Huss, and they think he's an impact player and you have to move off from some of these other guys, I mean, I know he's more of a winger than a center than like he was earlier in his career, but this is a point producer when he's been healthy. So, And he played at UND, so they would be familiar with him as a player. They'd also probably think as a guy from Madison, Wisconsin, he might be able to be a little bit more open-minded to playing here than maybe some folks that have the Jets on a no-trade clause. So I, I don't know what to expect tomorrow, Huss. I, I, like I said, I've been predicting forever that I thought they would not be done. Uh, you know, Now there have been some signs. Even if you listen to Rick Bonus, I mean, it was not intentional, but when he talked about the you know the roster tomorrow and there being 12 and 6, well, you'll know when the roster's submitted. And I mean, Axel Janssen Fialbi was recalled today, and David Gustafson is probably going to be cleared at some point, either Friday or Saturday. So uh, if he thought the cavalry was coming in, I don't think he would have been that forthcoming. Again, this may have been an accident. I may I may be reading too much into this, but I don't think the Jets want to have a massive overpay hustle, like you said. I don't see them moving multiple firsts, but I do see them moving someone like Vili Hainala if they can move if they can get somebody in here that helps their hockey team. I don't think we're going to see a Zach Sanford type of move here, uh, you know, one that you know, it could happen. Not Zach in particular, but someone that you know plays in the third or fourth line. But I mean, even too, even Dmitry Kulikov's name is out there, Huss. I mean, Kulikov's a guy who Neil Pionk played some of his best hockey with. So if they're not planning on moving on from Pionk, which to, to, to this point we've had no examples of that being the case, you know, maybe you bring back Dmitry Kulikov and ask him 
to try to upgrade the team. And some people may roll their eyes, but he's been an effective player for a long time. He's not making five mil anymore like he used to. Um, so would that mean, help? Do, does would that, that put the Jets push, over the top? No. Does that but, push Dylan Sandberg to the press box? I don't know. I mean, it was already going to be based on the lineup today. It was Stanley in and Sandberg out. I'm not saying that's the. I mean, we've talked about this for years. I don't think the Jets should be playing pending UFAs over guys like Dylan Sandberg or even Billy Hanela. We've that. This is not uh, looking back with the uh, rose-colored glasses here. We were talking about this at the time. So. I think they'll be looking for someone with term. I don't know who that player is, Huss, and if it were obvious, we would have already kind of identified that player already. I think. I'm, uh, I'm, w- I'm with you that I think, you know, a couple of those kind of prospects, you know, might be in the mix. I don't think they're looking to move any of the recent first-rounders. But Vili Hanel is interesting. Um, what? Who's got a, Who's more likely to be traded? And who has a higher value that you would think in trade, Stanley or Hanela? It's a great question. It all depends on what the team is looking for. I mean, if you're a team that sees him as a, if, if you've been watching him, you know, be a point of game player in the American Hockey League and you have a you have room on your second power play, uh, you'd be looking for Hanela having the higher ceiling for sure, Hus. But I mean, we just saw what Tanner Janot went for. Teams that look for guys with edge and young and things like that. I mean, who, who would be more valuable to Arizona? I would think that after moving Gostaspair, that Vili Hanela would have a lot of value to the Arizona Coyotes in a deal for Lawson Krause or or uh, Nick Bukestad, as I mentioned, or sorry, uh, Nick Schmaltz. And I, I think Bukestad would be a good addition to the Jets if they thought they could sign him after this year like they did with Drew Stafford, right, as a guy who's around 30 years old from Minnesota. So, But there's got to be another team that, I mean, another thing I should mention quickly too, I didn't have him in my column, what about Sam Reinhardt? I mean, what if Florida decides that they, I mean, I don't think they're going to punt, but what if Florida decides to try to look for some cap flexibility and moves a guy like Reinhardt, who's got 6.5 left for one more year. I mean, that's a, that's a boost to the Jets top six immediately. And he, you know, of course he's a winger now, but he played some center in junior. So, I mean, depending on what happens in the summer could be some movement there. Right. So um, I'm not saying Florida's going to sell, but if they see Ottawa buying and they all of a sudden think that maybe they're not going to make it, I, what if they try to get some flexibility? Then I would think the Jets would be you know, interested in Reinhardt, who I think would be someone who is, you know, we know dating back a long time when the Jets talked about whether it was Line A or somebody else, that Reinhardt would be a guy that would have some appeal uh, to the Jets on that front. So I feel like there's a move like that coming. Um, you know, it's possible that they don't do it, but, um, you know, it's fun to speculate and, you know, it's our job to try to figure out what, you know, what they should do. And I'm with you. I don't, they're not going to move two first rounders, but they may, they, they, at some point you're going to have to decide, right? And what if the Jets make a move and then make room for a Vili Hanela? I just haven't seen any, I've seen no signs of that being something that they were pushing to do. I think it's more likely, I, sorry, I think it's more likely that Hanela gets moved. And I think it's more likely that Hanela has a higher value except for a team that maybe looks at Logan's role specifically and sees, much like we've talked about, somebody sees Jamie Alexiak, uh, you know, three years down the road or two years down the road, then he would have a higher value. But Yeah, one, one thing, I mean, we have to mention when we're talking about the defense, both, you know, right now and into the summer, at some point, something's got to give. I mean, right. next, next year, already signed, Morrissey, Schmidt, Pionk, DeMello, Dylan, and Capobianco. So five, so six defensemen already signed, and Dylan Sandberg. Right. 
who will need a new contract. Logan Stanley's going to need a new contract. And we're not even mentioning a bunch of young, talented defensemen with the Manitoba Moose that have been knocking on the door, like a Declan Chisholm, who, correct me right. if I'm wrong, but is not waivers exempt next year. So um, that is why, I mean, I, listen, if you told me that both of those players were gone at the end of tomorrow, I wouldn't be shocked because I think it does a couple things for them. It gets some things coming back to them. And, uh, of course, um, you know, maybe opens up some spots for the natural progression of some guys that have been, you know, right now had no chance to get called up because of how busy it's been. I know you got to run. Hang on. Uh, and we're going to be sending the guys over to you. Bukestad just traded to the Oilers, 50% oh, retained from uh, from Arizona. So uh, another Drake, deal. another one off the Ken Weeb list. Us. It's, a, it's a shrinking list. Uh, I love the fact the wake-up shirt is already on and ready to go. You haven't been giving out enough wake-ups lately, by the way. Can I just <laughs> well, make been, a request to fire yes. a couple into the chat when there's a bad take? Um, yeah. and just I've, thought, I've in. thought it on my head a lot, Huss, but I haven't said the words. I don't want to be too harsh Let on her people, rip. But... Let her rip. All right. It's um, that time uh, of year. Anyways, we're going to trade. We're going to turn it over to you guys in just a couple minutes. I'll fill people in on what's coming on a special K&R. Yeah, yes, sir, Huss. Uh, we have uh, Sammy the Scarf. Sammy Cosentino will be joining us uh, briefly, uh, or at least for a segment or so. Uh, we're going to do a trade deadline or preview, review, preview, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, some combination of the two just coming up at the top of the hour on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also check it up out uh, wherever you get your um, whatever you get your pods later on. But uh, going to have some fun here. Uh, we sent the invite out to Elliot, but uh, things are a little busy for him. So I don't think he's going to make a guest appearance, but uh, always a chance. You never know who's going to show up, Huss. That's the beauty of the uh, the pop-up show. You never know. Well, if Sammy's on or Elliot, do me a favor. I'm very interested on people outside of the market on sure. what they would say, the value of a Hanela versus a Stanley right now going in. I think it's you a really it. interesting decision of two very different players sort of in a similar situation. Uh, I'll be jumping on as soon as we're done. I'm looking forward to seeing it all. Thanks for doing this, dude. Thanks for having me and uh, have a great day with your uh, daily, the extended version tomorrow of the deadline show on uh, WST. My man, always great to talk well, to you. Well, you're going to be busy, uh, but uh, if we can grab you I'm for five or ten on. at some point, yeah. we'd love to. I'd love to do it. All right. Thanks a lot. Coming up, five minutes or so, Kenny and Rennie with a, a special pop-up edition of the show. All right. Um, we do. We will try and get out a little earlier just so we can uh, have you all on time for Kenny and Rennie. Um, but, hey, in the chat right now, I put this up. If you're listening on the podcast, get on over to our site or our socials and uh, make sure you grab your tickets for the Sports Trivia Night over at Little Brown Jug. It's in the chat right now. Click on that. Um, obviously, we've got limited space. It was so great seeing so many of you last time when we were out. So jump on those. Book yourselves in. Start talking to fellow chatters about the teams that you're going to be playing with. And um, as I say, we'll be working on what should be a great, great night on the 29th, March 29th, a Wednesday, down at Little Brown Jug. And a big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure to pop by. Try those great new stack burgers. Grab yourself a blizzard. Order an ice cream crake at DQ Manitoba and pick it up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Northgate. Um, cool bet lines I'll get to in just a second, but let's get Remus back in here. And uh, Remo, not surprising, another deal made while we talked to someone. And uh, Edmonton continues to try and do everything they can to give Connor McDavid his best chance to win after a trip to the conference finals and uh, third rounder for Nick Bukestad coming out of Arizona. 
Yeah, we talked about Nick Bugstad, a guy who would be a fit here. You know, a third-line guy who could play center, um, kill penalties. Look at his year this year, 23 points in 59 games. Hey, that's uh, that's more than last year. He had 13 and 57. He's played for Florida, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, on his way to Edmonton. Third-round pick, Fifty and Arizona is retaining 50% of the salary. Um, so Arizona... They're, man, they got a lot of picks uh, coming up the next couple of years. But right now, they also are paying a lot of guys not to play for them. Check out this tweet from Cap Friendly here. I retweeted it. This is this is insane. So the Coyotes right now have $28.2 million on injured reserve. And Jay Weber, Andrew Ladd, Brian Little, Jakob Voracek, and I think that's Josh Brown is his name. I also have $3.6 million in dead cap hits. That's OEL. And is that Patrick Kane? They took on some of his salary yep. to facilitate that trade. So $31.8 million, 42% of their $75 million cap hit is for players on IR or dead cap hits. So well done, Arizona. Masterclass here in how to get to the cap floor without actually having to spend any real dollars. It um, is a... Ponzi Ponzi scheme right now. Um, <laughs> wow! Here, and here's I, their picks, though. Check out their picks. Half friendly. I love how they do this. Um, for each team, they have their picks. They got four second round picks in in 2024 and 2025. Two firsts next year, with three third round picks in the next two years. So there's a ton of picks in the first three rounds for the next three years. Um, I like what they're doing in terms of acquiring picks. But, like, the way they're doing it, you know, getting all these LTIR hits. Or not LTIR, these IR hits to move up their floor. It's kind of... It's why everyone thinks the Coyotes are a joke and should uh, nah, go some, a, somewhere else. As I said else. earlier, it's the most embarrassing... It's the most embarrassing franchise in all of professional sports. And it's not even close. Uh, just before we get to the cool bet lines, I was asking Ken the question, and I'm interested in what people in the chat feel. Um, and this isn't like who you like better as a player or whatnot, but just based on where the NHL is right now, going into tomorrow's deadline, which player on the trade market do you think would garner a bigger return? Logan Stanley or Vili Hainla? I think both could be had from the Winnipeg Jets, depending on what's coming back. And it could be in the term of players. It could be in the form of picks. Uh, but you can make the call. Why not question of the day? Stanley or Hanela, which player do you think has a greater value on the trade market? All right, let's rip over to uh, Coolbet, and uh, we'll see what's going on tonight. Busy night in the National Hockey League. Got um, nearly 10 games tonight. Boston making another deal today, maybe the most important deal, the deal they struck with David Pasternak on an eight-year extension. They're minus 277 favorites against the Sabres. Kraken minus 128 favorites in Detroit after the Wings traded Bertuzzi to those Bruins. Panthers minus 198 favorites against what's left of the Nashville Predators. The New York Rangers minus 147. Remo, the Rangers playing at 12 and 5 tonight because um, they've been ruled ineligible for an emergency recall. Yeah, they're trying to recall someone. And what they have Keandre Miller who got suspended for spitting. On True Doty, remember, remember that, and I think yep. it was something else. A milestone game tonight for the Rangers. It's Derek Brassard's one thousandth. He's on Ottawa right now, the former Ranger, and also Pat Kane's debut. 
Um, wearing number 88, first player to wear 88 for the Rangers since Lindros. And I got to be honest, like I see Pat Kane in Ranger gear and like, you know, you normally want a guy like that who's played for one team for a long time gets traded and he's wearing the new uniform. Like this looks weird. I don't think so. I think Pat Kane looks good in Ranger blue and I, I think he's going to be a fit there. So uh, they are minus 147 against Ottawa. That should be a, that's I think that's the game to watch tonight. Uh, yeah, it will though, be a good one. Of course, Chikrin uh, likely making his debut as well for the Sens mm-hmm. at uh, and the Sens are plus one twenty five. Other games tonight: Lightning minus one sixty two faves against Pittsburgh, who've made a couple tertiary moves. The Dallas Stars, after beating Arizona last night, they get Chicago tonight. Great uh, Stars minus two thirty six favorite in Chicago against what's left of the Blackhawks. Big one in the West. I can't believe I'm saying this, but go Leafs, go. Uh, Leafs in Calgary to take on the Flames. Calgary's the team that any team that's in a playoff spot has to worry about. They're a minus 118 home favorite. Leafs at plus 101. The Minnesota Wild are rolling. They're in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Minnesota minus 160. Uh, Habs and Kings. Kings, of course, now um, with Jonathan Quick moved on, might we see Corpus Allo with his first start? Minus 258 is the uh, is the number on the uh, Canadians and two teams destined for the lottery, the St. Louis Blues and the San Jose Sharks. Sharks a slight home favorite at minus 121. That is a little bit later on. Now, remote tomorrow, double duty. We're going to get going uh, just after 11 a.m. planning. But folks, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. And while you're at it, Turn your notifications on so when we do do additional breaking news shows or an extended show like tomorrow, you get a little reminder that we're already going and you don't have to wait until 1 o'clock for Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, a lot of people here in chat asking if we're going early. The demand is certainly there. Amazing to see over 600 people in chat right now. I got 630. It's been steadily rising. Uh, The interest is there. People want to see the Jets make a trade. Um, well, they haven't, you know, they made the one, but people want to see more. So we'll be here talking about, maybe we'll have some fun stuff, some marble races, some giveaways. I'm seeing marble race. I don't know. Some, uh, some card <laughs> openings. What else? T-Will, T-Will's all over me. Listen, you know, I can't stand the Leafs like m- the majority of the rest of you, but, uh, I'd like to see them win tonight. Um, I don't want to be talking about a three point gap between, being out of the playoffs tomorrow with the Calgary Flames charging. And God knows we got a tough weekend coming up for the Jets when they take on the Edmonton Oilers. Dustin Nielsen is going to jump on the program tomorrow as well after 2 o'clock. So we'll see what happens kind of following the trades through uh, the first three hours. And then we'll get Dusty on in the uh, in the fourth hour um, to talk both about everything that's happened around the league and also set up the home-and-home between the red-hot Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow. All right, Kay and I are going. Uh, You don't have to go anywhere, though. We'll just uh, send everyone over in a big block as part of a raid. Uh, Before we do that, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. And, of course, our wonderful guest today, Sarah Orleski and Ken Weeb, who's coming up on KNR. Great to see so many new people, maybe people we haven't seen so much lately. Thanks so much. Join us tomorrow for the extended show, and make sure you hit that red subscribe button and are joining us daily Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, through Michael Remus's magic button, we'll take you now to K&R. 
We'll be in there probably in the chat, seeing what the fellas have for us, and we'll see you tomorrow extra early, right around 11 a.m. Turn those notifications on and join us in the a.m. for an extended trade deadline edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.